Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Brothers and sisters of the leaf, coming to you live once again from, well, all over the fucking place, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight, the boys congregate once again by a live video, thanks coronavirus, you asshole, to talk about the underseen 1992 Genie in a Bottle TNA flick, Miracle Beach. And trust me, folks, sometimes movies are underseen for a very good reason. But to help grease their gears and aid them in their highly intelligent film analysis, our favorite crew of scholarly numbnuts will be drinking a ton of craft beers and whiskey as they smoke the highly impressive Undercrown Sun-Grown Dojo Dogma Cigar from Drew Estate. Boobs, bruise, and Dean Cameron's chest hair. Man, it sounds like we're in store for one hell of a good time, folks. So sit back, light them up, and enjoy the show. South Beach Academy, Beach Bays from Beyond, Bikini Summer, Bikini Car Wash, The Girl from Bikini. When it comes to beaches, babes, and bikinis, nobody, and I mean nobody, does more with these movies as far as a deep, deep, critical film analysis than us boys. Would you agree? I agree. And those are just some of the movies. Those are just some of the movies we featured on the podcast over the last five years. I'm sure there's some other hot and sweaty entries that I've forgotten about. But when I sat down to select this week's summertime feature, we are in the midst of summertime, I ran into a new problem that I never experienced before, where half the beach and bikini flicks that I looked into turned out to be not at all what their posters or titles suggested after performing a little research. For example, I got all excited about this 1984 bikini flick called Summer Fantasy. How's that for a title? Sounds good. Starring Bruce Springsteen's first wife, the incredibly sexy Julianne Phillips of Fletch Lives fame. Oh, man. she's This was her, like, 20, 21 years old. Wow. Got all excited, but after doing some digging, it turned out that despite its super steamy title of Summer Fantasy and its boobalicious poster of all these chicks in bikinis with their tops hanging out, it's a fucking TV movie. So that would have been a... Huge mistake. 
And the next few I came across also turned out to be kind of misleading, mostly probably duds if we actually dug into them. So that gave me an idea. You guys know when I get an idea, turn on your turn on your ear holes. Hit me with it. As you longtime listeners and viewers of the show are well aware, the Tuesday Night Scar Club occasionally dips its toes into the world of underground filmmaking, ind- independent filmmaking, if you want to be a snob about it. So I've decided to take matters into my own hands and write a screenplay for the ultimate beach babes and bikini movie. All right. I'm listening. You, you know I, I'm down for it. I know what audiences want when it comes to this genre and i'm going to give it to them and it all starts with the title a title that not only catches the eye but tells you exactly what yes. you're in, what you're in store for when you pay your hard-earned 3.99 on amazon for the rental fee y'all ready for this shit bring it tut's ready doctor you ready? I am, i'm fired up i, I await was right. time to get out the camera gear we're doing this boys the title is Bikini penis. What the what? Bikini penis. I know. Oh, well, I, it's never been used. I even, wrote, I, I even started composing this rock. I, hey, hold on. Check this out. I'm going to work with Fritz, our musical uh, fifth member. You know, that's got to be good. I've even started composing the rock and theme song. You ready for this? Bikini no. penis where the boobs are the real deal. Bikini penis where the dudes are hard as steel. Are you okay. there? All right. Between the sweet-ass title and that song, you know exactly what you're getting, baby. I'm getting excited? <laughs> uh, uh, I think I know penis. what I'm getting. Bikini penis. Uh, okay. Doctor? Yeah. How about How about you've given me an idea here? Bikini penis, where every guy has a rock hard dong. Bikini penis, it makes me want to sing this song. I like it, but you're okay. kind of leaving. You're, you're leaving. Yeah. I think when somebody tunes into Bikini Penis, they're going to be wanting a little more about the chicks. Are they? Oh, the title doesn't scream chicks to you guys. I'll leave it to you and Fritz to figure out the musical part of it. All right, well, hold on. I don't know. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like, a, I mean, when I hear about the dong, I kind of do want to sing about the song. I sense that you, you guys aren't 100%. I, I got an alternate title, which I think is maybe even better. You ready for this? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, please. Picture this uh, on wait. a post. Picture this on a poster with some hot bodies on the beach underneath it. Penis Beach. Home run. Is there maybe something, something maybe less? I got a song. For, I know. I, I know what you're thinking. Less penisy. Well, listen to this song. The boys are all coming down to Penis Beach. The fellows will be hard, and the girls are the real neat. Well, it's it's all inclusive, so there's that. Uh, and you're right, there haven't been any movies with these titles, so oh, there's that. There have been movies with these titles. Yeah, it's it, not the kind that you you kind of, <laughs> right, the kind you go see in some seedy theater in downtown L.A. 
Oh, no, no, no. I mean, up the hill. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's kind of a, a, a long reach to, to read into Penis Beach any other way than a, than a rock and party film about chicks and, and bikinis. Yeah. It's, it's a long reach. Yeah. I think people will be reaching for all sorts of stuff. Yeah. There's going to be Tut. a lot of reaching. Tut. Yeah. Penis Beach 2021. Start cleaning your wide lenses. We're going to need them. You got it, Cadester. Let's do this. Unless you guys are on board with bikini penises. I'm not sure I'm on board with it at all, but I, I like I, I I like the energy here. I like where you're going. Oh, th- these films are going to have a lot of energy. That I guarantee you. Sounds like it. Hey, you know, sign me up, man. I got a camera. I will. Let's let's do this. Let's get rock hard and do this. Tut, you're my TNCC member of the night so far. Oh, reach that. Welcome, everybody. I'm feeling really good now. Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, episode 120. 120. We're still alive. 120. We are rocking your eyes and ear holes all the way from California to Florida and everywhere in between, including you party mofos down at Penis Beach. That's actually, I I Googled it. That's not a real place. So we're cool there. We can kind of have some creative uh, freedom to make Penis Beach whatever we want it to be. And Tut, we're not all alive. I'm actually a hologram. Good software, my friend. Yeah. Or should I say marketed in hardware? Yeah. Oh, hardware. I'm on board. I'm on board. Let's get this script written. Uh, I mean, hell, it practically writes itself. Well, that's what I'm hoping when we get on set, because I'm not actually going to write anything. I got, the, I got there be songs. some sort of contest. I got those songs. That's all we need. <laughs> that is well, what about a contest? Context? Contest. contest. Oh, like have someone else write it? No, no, no. I mean, like in the movie, would there be like a contest? What's you got oh. songs? You got a you got this beach? And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There, no, no, what's, it's gonna be it's gonna be on top of my head. There'll be a, a a really really cool group of dudes, probably lifeguards, and they're in some kind of really hard competition. And um, yeah, they're just they're just gonna be. It's gonna be like an old-fashioned sword fight. They're just gonna be clawing at the at the brass ring. We could do an homage. It's gonna, have, it's gonna have a lot of stiff competition. Yes. We could do an homage to Jaws 3D, and we can have the stand push contest. Standoff. Yeah, just a bunch of dudes banging into each other. Yes. And chicks in bikinis hanging around. Oh yeah, yeah. I cannot stress enough the bikini portion of the t- of you know bikini penis title is is crucial you can't have a party you can't have a party beach movie without bikinis that's true uh well we'll brainstorm guys uh after the show after we've we've each had a six or so and uh, i think that's when the, the good times are going to flow it really uh, basically it sounds more like you just described a, a 1980s hairband music video except in long form long form yeah. Long form. Yes. This is that, yeah. that was used intentionally. This will be long form. Uh, uh, 
Well, boys, oh, I still have a professional reputation after some episode years. 120, and we are going to do tonight what we do best. We are going to smoke a premium cigar, a hot off the press, brand new premium cigar. We're going to pair it expertly with a feature film, and we're going to try to pair that also with some delicious beverages. We're going to tie them all together and entertain your ass off for the next few hours. So if you're stuck at home, quarantining like you should be, or if you're stuck at work because they're making you come in, put in your earbuds or your ear... Step on your ear goggles and let's get ready to go. Step on your ear goggles and get ready to have some fun, damn it. Uh, let me introduce tonight's. Let's get right to it, boys. Let's. I'm gonna introduce tonight's cigar, and then we will get uh, Yak Boy, as always, to tell us what we're drinking tonight. Tonight, it's not officially released until next week, but we are for once ahead of the game. We are smoking the Undercrown Dojo Dogma Sungrown. If you're watching us on YouTube, we're all holding it up here on the screen. It's beautiful. It is a beautiful box press, little baby. It is a 5x54 box-pressed Robusto type. Ecuadorian Sumatra Seed Sungrown Kappa. That's the wrapper for you noobs. A Connecticut River Valley Stock Cut Cured Sungrown Habano Binder, which, of course, we have seen that process in Connecticut. That's where the luscious T52 wrapper comes from. And the filler is Nicaragua as well, but one leaf of extensively aged Lajero from the Nueva Segovia region along the border of Nicaragua and Honduras has been selected to enhance the strength of the blend from previous underground sun grounds. So a little bit ballsier, a little bit ballsier um, iteration of this cigar. Okay. Price point I will save till later. Uh, the Undercrown Dojo Dogma is the manifestation of the continued fellowship between Drew Estate and the Cigar Dojo online community. The original Undercrown Dojo, Dojo Dogma, the Maduro wrapper, was released in 2014. God, six years ago. It seems like forever. To celebrate Cigar Dojo's one-year anniversary. In 2017, the Undercrown Sungrown was named Cigar of the Year by the team over at Cigar Dojo. The unique box press size that we celebrate today marks the next chapter in the Dojo Dogma story. For you folks who don't know, Cigar Dojo is an online community. Uh, They have their own app where their motto is never smoke alone. If you're uh, having a cigar and you want to chat, post some pics, and you're not on Facebook or Instagram, it's kind of a community where you can share stories and smokes and talk all within the app. It's kind of a self-contained thing, but they also do live shows. They also do live shows uh, every week and reviews. They've kind of really grown. We actually, I'll put it on the episode page. We actually interviewed uh, Eric, Master Sensei, at the first Cats Fest that we did interviews with. It was maybe Cats Mm -hmm. Fest 2 or 3, and they were just starting. Um, And he's he's a really nice guy. And uh, I... I, uh, I'm happy for them that they this relationship with Drew Estate has been so successful. We have quite a history with the Undercrown brand as well. The Undercrown Shade was our number two cigar of 2015. 
and the original incarnation of the Undercrown Sungrown tonight cigar was awarded our number nine cigar of 2017. I guess we should have ranked it number one like Dojo. Maybe we'd have a cigar. <laughs> I kid. Yeah, I kid. no be so horny for us. I kid, I kid. I like the dojo, and I love the Undercrown. So let's uh, set this sexy motherfucker on fire. Did you get anything on the cold draw there, Tut? Yeah, and I could not define it. I, I got a lot of just cracker, uh, kind of a breadiness. This is something not available quite yet? Next week. Okay. Uh, it's hitting stores next week. Uh, yeah, I'm getting like a... Uh, breadiness. I got a breadiness on the cold draw, and uh, kind of a, a sweet, a little tinge of sweetness on the draw. But here's real quick uh, to go back our summary back 2017. Here's what our thoughts were on the original release three years ago. We found notes of graham cracker, subdued cedar, and milk chocolate. They swarm your palate early on. It's like you're smoking one of those delicious little bucket parfaits that the coldless, heartless bastards at KFC decided to discontinue for some stupid reason. Assholes. This is one tasty, nuanced cigar. And if Willie Herrera and the factory floor cigar wizards at Drew Estate were looking to fill the void between the dark Undercrown Maduro and the lighter Undercrown Shade, then we say it's mission accomplished. We really like the original Sundrum. Graham cracker and, like, smoking a parfait. This... Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm one. not getting any of that on the line. Well, this is a different cigar, guys. Yeah, yeah. This is, I'm just getting, I got slapped in the face with mineral, uh, a bitter cedar. Uh, it's just, I mean, it, it is in your face. You know what else is gonna be in your face? Penis Beach. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to help it. You're going to want to party. All right. Jump in. I'm about to light up. Uh, before you light up, Yaks, tell us what the doctor is drinking, for God's sake. The doctor is having the Hop Vice IPA from Revolver Brewing. What was it? Revolver what was uh, located in Hop Device. Hop Device. Okay. Device IPA. They are out of. Uh, it's from a, a Granbury. Uh, it's just outside of Fort Worth. I believe it's Granbury. Granbury, excuse me. Granbury. You should spell it that way because they didn't. Um, it is uh, 5.2% ABV, 35 IBUs, which fairly low, but it is a New England style IPA. Uh, they started uh, the New England style, uh, obviously coming from the New England area of the uh, U.S. Uh, started the style sort of, I guess, there was no specific date for it. It really just sort of came into being in the 2010s. Uh, it has that more... Floral, citrus, but less pine in the taste than a, than your typical IPAs. Being more floral and citrus versus the pine. 
Okay. Doc, you getting any floral uh, pine notes? I believe I believe Yak said more floral and less pine was the write-up on it. He was kind of breaking yeah. up on me. I couldn't really. Um, yeah. In a rare departure from what we normally see, I would have guessed more than he either said 30 or 35 uh, IBU. I would have guessed higher. There's actually a good flavor to it, and I feel like I can pick up pine from it. So, um I've I just, didn't say that there wouldn't be any. It would just be less than a, a typical IPA. Okay. Um, I've just had one, and I'm going to grab a second. Uh, it, it feels like there would be more than 30 or 35 IBUs, I would have guessed, considering they usually shoot high on those. Yeah, big time. Um, this is a rare departure from that. This is a first one down. Um, very tasty. And, uh, yeah, I... I I guess you put you know, puts my nose in the glass like a wine drinker. Uh, you can kind of pick up on some floral elements of it, but a, a very tasty, nice IPA. Doctor, uh, the last couple beers you've had, they're they're really good. You know, cold summertime refreshing beer. This is, you sound a little more enthusiastic about this one. Off the start here, yeah. The others, the last few we've had, you're right. There was nothing to dislike about any of them, but nothing that was outright remarkable about any of them either this one i first can down i actually kind of like okay okay real quick uh before we move on to tut's beer boy uh i don't remember i haven't had a, a sun-grown undercrown in a while i don't remember the retro hail being that spicy uh it's not it's not really nice strength through the nose and you're right, Tut. it's full blast cedar uh, i'm not getting bitter cedar but i am getting very strong a very sometimes cedar is kind of subtle mm-hmm. um as far this as the is, woodsy notes this, this is a it's like your it's like your grandma's cedar chest just smacked you right in the face yeah it's almost it's almost transitioning into a uh, maybe it's just that we talked about the pine in the beer but it's almost got a pine taste to it i mean this it is i'm surprised that you're not getting that that bitterness component to it because no, really, it's it just is really in my face there, there's a real uh, bitter in a bad way, or just no. I mean, just bitter in a flavor way. I mean, it's it's not like a it's not like you're doing a what a sour tart or whatever to where you're like yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, it's just it's just a, that taste. Yeah, no, I'm uh the cedar is definitely the 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 most prominent uh, flavor right now, but it, it's it's just a much more pronounced, stronger uh, cedar than I'm used to. Uh, I'm used to it just being a little more muted and soft. Maybe my beer's playing with it because it's almost like even on that retro hell, I've got the I've got the spice and that that pepper, but it's almost like a wasabi type. Okay. No, 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 it's 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 a vegetal. It's it's I wasn't gonna say jalapeno, but uh, yeah, I can go wasabi. Like it's it's definitely a, a kind of a food grade, top of your nose kind of linger. I love those retro hails. It's nice. Okay. It's been a while since I've had a cigar with this kind of kind of profile. Speaking of what Tut's drinking that might be interfering with the cigar yaks, what is Tut drinking that might be interfering with the cigar? He is drinking uh, from the Red Horn Coffee House and Brewing Company. They're located in wonderful Cedar Park, Texas. Uh, They started uh, back in 2014 making delicious coffees and beers. Uh, He is drinking the Black is Beautiful Imperial Stout. Oh boy! It is uh, it is stout. 
uh, 10.8% ABV. Oh, good, good on you, Ted. And ah. it is to be uh, powering in at about 65 IBUs. Uh, they used a, uh, a combination of a, a Costa Rican coffee as well as uh, cinnamon and vanilla spices to enhance the the background flavors, uh, as well as with the title, of course, the 100% of the profits from their draft sales will go to benefit the NAACP. Hey. 100%. It's actually a collaboration with the uh, Soul Brother Brewing. Uh, th- I, this has been on my radar for a long time. Uh, they started, they, they announced this, uh, I think, uh, uh, right after the George Floyd uh, killing. And, but it, it had a delay and they kind of pushed it back and then they just released it like a week. And so I was a week ago and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm down for this. Oh my goodness. This thing for a 10% beer. You cannot taste the – it's not medicinal at all. Uh, you're not going to believe me when I say this, but remember those uh, chocolate-covered cherries? This is like biting into a chocolate-covered cherry with bitter, dark chocolate, juicy cherry. It is just sweet and bitter and just fabulous. Man, that's high praise. I've never actually ate a cherry. Oh, man, this is making me want to tie a knot with the stem of my tongue. Just I don't believe that. Oh, it's true. Oh, it's true. Yes. It's true. No, I, th- I think he's saying he doesn't believe I've never ate a cherry. Uh, but luckily, he froze up, so I won't have to answer that question. <laughs> no, it's true. I, I've never had a cherry. You know, I've had cherry-flavored things, but I, I've never actually popped a cherry in my mouth, chocolate-covered or otherwise. I know what you're missing, my friend. Nah, it's what I hear, but uh, I am just not. Doctor, you ever eat a cherry? I know that I've had them on ice cream sundaes, but that would have been pretty far in the past. And, of course, I've uh, garnished a Manhattan drink with a cherry because that's how you have to make them. But, but a whiskey-soaked cherry is a little bit different than a chocolate-covered one. But did you eat the cherry or just leave it in the glass? No, I, I ate the whiskey-soaked oh, cherry when I it was did. done. Okay. Yeah, I, but I, I guess in, in an ice cream-covered one, I, I've never really had a cherry by itself. And by the way, if somebody comes back with some uh, video or photos of me eating a cherry, that's fake news. Never happened. Doctored photos. No offense, doctor. I, I didn't have anything to do with it. Oh, um, awkward photos. Okay. Sorry. Yaks, what are you drinking? The suspense is killing us. Out of Fort Collins, Colorado, the Mountain Standard IPA. Yax, you we lost you. What's the what's the uh, brewery? Okay, we lost Yax again. Um, I'm going to go ahead and reveal my drink. Myself, because I kind of audible at Tut's suggestion here. I'm going to blame this one on you, Tut. What? Uh, I was originally this evening fully prepared to drink the Haze Wizard. See, it's got a little bearded wizard on the thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, right. New England style, like the doctor, a New England style uh, India Pale Ale, double dry hop. I still might try one this evening. I cracked one open before the show. 
And looking back at my notes on what the original Underground Sungrown did and the vibe I was getting out this beer, I kind of half-assed mentioned to Tut that, you know what, I should just drink Jack Daniels this episode. And he was like, do it! <laughs> so I, I have actually uh decided to go ahead and, and and switch to some Jack Daniels um for this episode. But I, I will go and try a Haze Wizard a little bit later on the show. But I will say I love pairing cigars with whiskey. And uh I'm not a snob about it. Uh whiskey and Coke Zero is my my it, uh that's how back in the back in the early days, man, that was Friday and Saturday nights for me was Crown Royal and Sprite and smoke a smoke a Hemingway. Yeah, um, so I, I'm drinking some uh, some Coke Zero. Uh, I I I like the diet drinks because they they let the whiskey sing a little bit more without the the heavy you know sugar from the 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 Coke and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's just an it's just an easy drink that kind of stays out of the way. But I can I can attest that it's it's pairing extremely well with this uh, so far surprising cigar that's uh, man I don't know if it's the inclusion of that that Lajero leaf um, but man this is this is a real kind of a ass kicker of an undercrown I wasn't expecting this much uh, maybe I should have given the the filler um, man it's damn good yeah it's a lot of bold big bold flavor it is, but it's not smoking like the Underground Maduro. It's it's still yeah. got a, it's still got the finish is still kind of soft. Once you've uh, gotten uh, the retro hails passed and you're you're past that heavy woodsy on the draw, it's got kind of a soft finish, which is nice. Uh, yeah, I'm digging it. We'll and we'll pick that up in a minute. Uh, Yaks, while you were uh, frozen there, I told everybody I was going initially tonight to drink the Haze Wizard. Um, and then I, I called an audible after drinking one and I'm, I'm drinking Jack Daniels and I, I don't think you need to tell anybody what Jack Daniels is. Um, but he's frozen again, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, four yaks. Four yaks frozen in time. Um, okay. Well, I will let, uh, when he is able to come back. We'll touch on what he's drinking and how it's interacting with a cigar at some point. But until that point, we have a third element to get into boys. This is the story that's going to uh, get you through the next two hours of your work day or your staying at home with the kids day. Turn up your speakers because we're going to tell you a miraculous tale of love, life, Magic. The film is called Miracle Beach, 1992's Miracle Beach. 92. Ah. 92. That was a good year. Yeah. Real good year. I'm a big fan of 1992. Got some good memories from 1992. Written by Scott Binley, who also wrote Dr. Cop and a Half 2, The New Recruit, where they replaced Burt Reynolds with Lou Diamond Phillips. I did not know there was a cop and a half, too. <laughs> and Cats and Dogs 3, Paws Unite, starring comedian George Lopez. Another movie, the existence of which I was previously unaware. See, you know, that- we, we learn here, too. Yeah, I didn't know there's a Cats and Dogs 1 or 2, but apparently Perfect. there's a 3. Uh, boy, Cats and Dogs working together, that's... 
That sounds magical all on its own, doesn't it? Um, Rain and cats and dogs and knowledge in here. The film was directed <laughs> by another Scott, uh, Scott Snyder, whose really only other directing credits were just a bunch of Playboy home videos in the 80s and early 90s, those things you kept under your bed. Um, uh, uh, uh. No, not you, Ted. Uh, but that might not be a bad thing going into tonight's film, his resume. Maybe that's going to play into our favor. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, let me take a little sip. My throat's getting a little dry. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. The Motion Picture Corporation of America presents... Boy, that sounds classy, that title card. The Motion Picture Corporation of America. Dean Cameron in Miracle Beach. That last part didn't sound so classy. Um, hey, man, if it's, the, if it's an MPCA, I'll stick around. Uh, well, the reason Dean Cameron Miracle Beach, that's why we're here. Um, we open up with a lighthearted tropical kind of reggae song as we watch a montage of beachgoers doing beachgoing things like surfing and rollerblading. Then we cut to a beachside cafe where we find waiter Scotty McKay. The writer's name Scott. The director's name Scott. The lead character's name is Scotty. Come on now. Please yeah, give him a pass. That was, that was a nice little reggae opening. I'm digging it. I'm getting fun. I've got some girls. I've got some beach vibes going on. I'm so liking you, it. I, so you look like you might have rollerbladed once or twice in your life. I've I, I rollerbladed and quad. And what? And done quads. What's quads? Quaaludes? The, the, the old four four wheel skates. Oh, 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 they call yeah. those quad old school. They call roller- those quads now. They're called quads. They're not roller skates, they're just called quads. Quads. Okay. Learning something now. College boy. <laughs> I'm just saying, you put me in a pair of rainbow suspenders and some shorty shorts and it's on. Hey, for somebody it is. <laughs> Let's talk about penis beach later. You might you might find yourself in front of the camera, my friend. The quad instructor? Doctor, you still have those rainbow suspenders? I actually never had a pair. I've got yeah. rainbow other things. <laughs> that was an, that was another friend. Never mind. Disregard that. Well, Scotty McKay is played by ski school and summer school's very own Dean Cameron. Who, if you'll remember, we really uh, ran this guy through the gauntlet when we did our ski school episode. I I just could not wrap my head around how this dude is some kind of cult hero and cult beloved actor. I just I found him ingratiatingly charmless and annoying in ski school. That's why I was surprised that we were doing this movie. Episode 120, a.k.a. me giving Dean Cameron one last chance. I think he's more known for summer school, though, as Chain. Summer school. Yeah, my wife, when she saw the trailer for what we're doing tonight and did her typical eye rolls and, you know, don't I don't want to know anything else about it. uh, She was like, I think I've seen that movie. And I'm like, well, it could have been like an HBO. You know, she was one of those fancy families at HBO in the in the 90s. I was like, you may have seen it uh, on HBO. She's like, yeah. And then, sure enough, uh, I came out to the corner of No Hope, and I'm working on the show, and she texts me. She's like, oh, he's the guy from summer school. And like, yeah, it's kind of his claim to fame. He, he was chainsawed. Yeah, but he, did, he didn't have to carry summer school. 
It was part of an ensemble. Right, and I think that that's what gave him an opportunity to be the lead in a few movies, was he was well-liked in summer school. Yeah, he was a fun character in summer school. Well, we'll see. We'll see if he steps up and, uh, and takes, the, right. takes the reins of uh, Miracle Beach. I mean, how are you going to mess up Miracle Beach? Be determined. Uh, well, he and his bartending buddy are drooling over a hot babe in a TV commercial behind the bar as they eat a customer's french fries. <laughs> There's big jocks over there like, hey, knucklehead. Give my fries. Give my fries. And they're over there eating them. Uh, Scotty tells his husky friend, I'm going to bail out of work to go check on Cindy, his girlfriend, who hasn't been feeling so good. He'd tell their boss, Charlie, but he can't find the guy anywhere. That is until Scotty picks up a bouquet of flowers and heads over to Cindy's apartment for a wellness check and finds her in bed with Charlie, his boss. Just getting as a wellness check of her own. She's getting a wellness check. Just as she's telling the middle-aged slob that their just-completed sex session was the best three minutes of her life. Man, that's high praise. You guys ever get any uh, positive notes like that in the bedroom? Not for three minutes. <laughs> Best thirty seconds of her life. Yes, but did anybody yeah, yeah, something like that? What was that, Yak? Hey, Yak Boy's back. Yeah, I'm back. But did anybody recognize her? Her? Oh yes, I think we've all seen her before. In uh, her pendulous talents, the actress's name is Monique Gabrielle. We saw her on the podcast as Miss Poinsettia in Return of Swamp Thing. She's one of the bad guys. Yes. Doctor, you <laughs> wrote, totally missed it. You wrote about a film she was in. She played Rena the Seer in Deathstalker 2. She played two roles in Deathstalker 2. Oh. She was the seer and the evil princess. There you go. And Yag Boy probably is the only one that caught this. She played the role of Tracy in Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks. Did you recognize that, Yags? Maybe not her face, but you recognize some other things? Oh, yes, I did. That was, okay. 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 Yes. It was uh, two things, really, but you know, I, I recognized it. Well, she and the twins bounce out of bed quickly, but before she can explain, Scotty tells her, get the hell out of here. Beat it. On top of this major disappointment, Charlie, his boss then, who's in no position to be an asshole, fires Scotty and tells him not to bother picking up his last check. Then, That's horrible. as they scuttle out of the room, Scotty's dickhead landlord drops in and evicts him. He gives him an hour to clear out all of his shit. Talk about a talk about a bad day at the beach. I actually like the dialogue in this exchange. Hey, what's up? Time. You're out of it. <laughs> there will be no bad days at the beach in my film Penis Beach. Always a good day at Penis Beach. Hey, uh Yak Boy, now you're back before we lose you again. What are you drinking? I am drinking the Mountain Standard IPA. Okay. Odell Brewing out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Okay. Uh, the Odell Brewing started back in 89. Uh, brewing many wonderful beers. They've, they're one of the, uh, at the time of this, they're about the, or excuse me, in, in 2015, they were the 34th largest craft brewer in the U.S., 
Um, the Mountain Standard uh, is is a hazy IPA. Follows along with that New England style. Wow, all three of us picked hazy IPAs. That's weird. Yes. Uh, the Mountain Standard is a uh, 6.5% ABV, 40 IBUs, so fairly low on the on the IBU scale. Which I'll I'll, I'll say this much after what I've had, it, it it fits right with that. It's not overly hoppy. And of course, I went with this one because of the Mountain Standard, of course, with Dean Cameron being our lead, my favorite from the movie <laughs> Ski School. Ski School. Can't I ski thought without the mountains. I thought you were referencing Monique Gabrielle's mountains. <laughs> That's what I thought too. Both, both. There is there's copious mountains in this film, so it mountains. Works, it works both ways. Okay. Uh, well, it's good to have you back, Yax. Uh, Yax, while you were gone, I explained that I I try I tried a Hazy Wizard pre-show, and I kind of had some trepidation about it with the cigar, and Tut pressured me into I'm drinking Jack Daniels instead. Of course. Logical choice. So we're going to go with that. I, I will crack open one later uh, just to see what happens. I don't really remember pressuring you. It's on, it's, on, it's on tape. Doctor, you were there. He pressured me. If you say so. Uh, All right. If you say so. Well, I, I certainly do. You're responsible. Uh, your own decisions. Well, Scotty clasps his hands together as he sits there on the bed after all this bad stuff crashing down around him, and he looks up despondently to the heavens. We then zoom through a thick sky full of clouds to arrive at some bizarre concept of heaven, which is comprised of some Greek statues, a cigar-chomping Santa Claus and Easter Bunny jumping around, angels and cupids and wizards, which my wizard uh, beer, that's how it tied into tonight. I don't know. Sounds kind of like heaven to me. There's all sorts of weird, random uh, fictional characters up there. Cigar-chomping Santa and the Easter Bunny? (laughs) <laughs> uh, maybe I shouldn't have said fictional we might have some listeners who still believe in these people and I uh, I should leave that to their parents to tell them I'm sorry about that they're all called to order by an elf who's ready to give these mythological beings their latest assignments first up is Jeannie Peterson and yes Jeannie is an actual genie G-E-N-I-E She's late for the meeting, but she blames it on the fact that she couldn't get her lamp to start. Ugh. You thought my jokes were bad. <laughs> the head elf, Magnus O'Leary, gives Jeannie her assignment, and to her dismay, it's on planet Earth. I don't blame her for being bummed out about that one. <laughs> That's a shitty assignment. It's a shitty-ass assignment. She argues she thought the people of Earth were greedy and selfish and refused to wear masks and had mostly given up on all of their dreams. That actually sounds pretty accurate. Uh, (laughs) He tells her, no, no. The things are changing down there. Things are actually looking up. They're recycling. They're they're getting rid of nuclear arms. They're loving each other. Uh It was the 90s. It was the 90s. Ah, the glorious 90s. 92, I guess all that sounded somewhat plausible. So he's sending her down there more on a goodwill mission, now that Earthlings have kind of cleaned up their act. Ah, the 90s. Uh, And with her questionable past, Jaws 3, uh, Calvin Bouchard style, she's hardly in a position to refuse this mission. And, he says, if she fails, Jeannie will be banished to her bottle forever. 
you really can't refuse that. Take yeah, this I'm mission. I'm just going to keep you in your bottle for the rest of eternity. Yeah, you got to do it. Um, guys, I cannot get over the, the strength of this, the sun ground. Are you getting no, that? It, Go ahead. Yes. I was going to say the from the, from that cult, from the cold draw till now, I mean, it, they had just had like, you know, we vary that sort of gram sweetness. It's, it smelled light, you know, if that, if that's the way you can identify it. I mean, it just, I was, I was sitting here getting, you know, with just that, you know, a little bit of cedar and hay on the, on the, the cold draw and the, and the aroma and then light it up. And that the initial strength of it very much, the, the pepper that I get right now with the, the retro hell, just the flavors. I'm like, it, it's not light. Looks light, smelled light, but not light. Uh, yeah. Are you getting a wasabi-like sting, tingling of the nose? That I'm not getting, no. That's how Tut and I uh, defined it. But, uh, man, yeah, it's, it's – and construction's great. Great airflow, uh, burning like a champ. Um, I'm liking it. All right. Well, we cut to a bidet. <coughs> Pardon me. We cut, to, we cut to a bedazzled genie bottle washed up on the beach. They've already sent her out on her mission. And a now homeless Scotty is pushing all of his belongings in a shopping cart along the boardwalk. And he nods to a fellow homeless shopping cart pusher played by... Mr. Miyagi himself, Pat Morita. Yeah, Pat Morita. I love the dude. Star of King Cobra, which we featured way back on episode 71. Others might have seen him in the Karate Kid. And others might have seen him in the Karate Kid, yes. Let me take a quick moment to mention some other actors here. Uh, The guy playing Magnus O'Leary, Alan Garfield. Uh, Cade, you'll recognize him in a very brief scene he has. As the mayor in Friday the 13th, part six, he shows up at the police station. He'll, Jason Voorhees! He's got his New York Oh, God. That's mm-hmm. Magnus O'Leary, the head elf? Yeah. <laughs> Good and, call. Uh, Good call, Doctor. And we've got to mention, of course, uh, the... You can either say super cute, I think lovely, beautiful, uh, Amy Dolans. Am I pronouncing the name correctly? I believe you so. are. Daughter of Mickey Dolans of the Monkees. What? Oh. Yeah, that's her claim to fame. She's the daughter of one of Man, the Monkees. She's super cute. Uh, I I knew she was in Can't Buy Me Love, but I had to text the doctor because I couldn't place her who she was in Can't Buy Me Love, a movie I've seen a hundred times. We've wait, also who was she in? Can't, who can't? A movie, and by the way, a movie we've also had a lot of fun with on the podcast. Go listen to that episode. Uh, Who's she in that? She has a brief performance <clears throat> in the beginning. Um, she's in a scene when Cindy shows up at the party in her suede outfit right before she gets the wine thrown on it. <clears throat> uh, and her friends are asking her about it, like, where'd you get this at? I was in your closet the other day, and she doesn't want to, she wants to deflect attention. So he turns to this younger girl. She's like, hey, you want to mingle? And that, that girl goes, oh, yeah. She's like, wow, my parents will even let me touch suede. That's her. Oh, okay. And I think 
she's actually before that scene or after it standing in a bikini at that same party when the the uh ricky played by gerardo is all it's all real important you girls keep our spirits up and she's all great what can i do to help i think that's her also (laughs) she's kind of in a background there okay uh, I, I, uh, Amy Dolans, who plays the genie, I, the, the most prominent place that I recognize her from was she was one of the main characters and on the VHS cover box of a really fun 80s, early 90s horror flick, Ticks. Um, it's got this iconic video box of this giant tick and this chick going, and that's her. Uh, <laughs> she, she was she was in Ticks, which is a really really fun movie. And just to complete the well, it doesn't complete the Amy Dolan's filmography, but uh, also in the '90s, she was the main chick in uh, Pumpkinhead Two: Blood Wings. Yeah. I was not ah. a fan. Of, I was not a fan of the pump the first Pumpkinhead, so I never saw Pumpkinhead Two. I've seen clips and saw like on sci-fi. I've only seen part of it, but Cade, you and I should both rent it because not only is Amy the lead actress, but the lead actor is the guy that uh, played uh, uh, Donna Martin Stalker her senior year at Colorado University. Uh, I'm sorry, California University. That dude at the TV station. Okay. Okay. Um, well, she's very cute and uh, pretty charming in this role. Um. You know, whenever you hear about somebody getting into the business because their their parents are in the business, you're 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 already got one strike against you in my book. The I'm kind of hard on nepotism when it comes to the entertainment industry, but sh- I didn't know she was her dad was one of the monkeys, and yeah, she's 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 very good in this. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, use whatever connection you can. If you're good, you get to keep your job. If you don't, then I'm gonna make fun. You know who didn't have a connection in the industry and made it on his own steam? Pat Morita, baby. Uh, meanwhile, over at a nearby country club, party bros, Lars and Soup. He actually that, had an uncle that got him into the business. That's a guy's name. Uh, Lars and Soup are entertaining some chicks in one of the golf course's sand traps until they get busted. They're building sand castles and lounged out in some beach chairs. I like heard- that touch. They're laying there and you think they're on the beach, and then all of a sudden it's a golf course sand oh, trap. Get the hell out of here. That was a uh, funny reveal there. They heard about a killer beach party taking place that night, and they just got to get Scotty on board for that. Interesting casting side note here. Lars is played by Alexis Arquette, who was David and Patricia Arquette's little brother at this point, but he later transitioned into their sister, uh, he became uh, a female, and now sadly he's dead. But uh, he was kind of an interesting screen presence. He was in one of the Children of the Corn movies. Uh, I've seen I've seen him in a couple things, and he and he he's always he's he's he was kind of a, an interesting actor. It wasn't. He had a very prominent role in uh, Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler. Okay. I thought it was weird though that he was acting as a boy with the name Alexis. Was it? Was there? And I, I don't mean to. I, I know he was not very old. Alexis uh, Arquette was not very old. Was it a drug problem? Uh, no, I believe he died at the. He died at the age of forty-seven of AIDS. Okay. Well, rest. But, uh, but he, but he's fun in this, and he's, he's he's he was pretty good in other stuff I saw. So. Uh, how old is How old is he when when he did this? 
Well, this would have probably been so early twenties. Early twenties. Okay. So the boys uh, that night dressed in sweatshirts and shorts, jams. I think were still a thing then. Uh, we love my jams. Me too. Crash the fancy shindig later that evening. They're clearly out of place, TNCC style. All the rich guys in suits there talk about how Scotty, if he wasn't such a wise ass, he was a really good lawn guy for them. Our wives always got so excited when he would show up to do the lawn. He was, he was so good at it. While the wives giggle over champagne about sharing Dean Cameron sexually amongst themselves. Okay, I'm going to buy that. Um, unreal. Hey, don't, say, don't speak ill of 90s Superman. Uh, no, Dean Cameron, not Dean Kane. They, oh, shared, they shared Dean Cameron. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were talking about Dean Kane. I was no, no small deal. We'll get to Dean Kane in a minute, my friend. Maybe I maybe I misspoke. Uh, no, we're still talking about Dean Cameron for God's sake, and apparently he's some kind of Lothario in the bedroom. Which, <laughs> hey, movie magic, movie magic. Anywho, well, it's, a it's very tough to suspend my disbelief on that. But I mean, go ahead. No, it's Chainsaw, man. That dude rules the bedroom. A very bummed out Scotty, he's homeless now, living out of a shopping cart, is drinking at the free bar when a smoking hot, drop-dead gorgeous chick named Dana strolls into the party. You guys might remember her as one of the stewardesses in Die Hard 2. I did not remember her from that. I found that oh, out wow. on IMDb. That's all I could think I may have seen her in before. Uh, but I did not recognize her. Like, hey, it's this the stewardess who doesn't say anything in Die Hard 2. Uh, boy, she's gorgeous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Scotty tries to work his charms on her, but she's not impressed one bit. No shit. Why would she be? Uh, well, she has hey, that English accent that's just uh, like, yeah. hey, how you doing? Thank you, Dana, for not faking... Uh, being enamored with Dean Cameron. But Scotty doesn't have much time to say face as Dean Kane, TV's Superman of all people, shows up and whisks her away. That tracks. That actually makes sense. Uh, Dean Kane, uh, besides playing TV's Superman, he also uh, had a memorable role on Beverly Hills Not Too and O. He stole Brenda from Dylan when they were overseas in London. He's done a whole bunch of sci-fi movies. He's done a bunch of sci-fi movies, and I, I believe he was a, a big college football guy, right, Doctor? Yes, he actually went to Princeton uh, and uh, played college football there, and one of his teammates was uh, Jason Garrett. Oh. No shit. Yeah. They, they were well, I, 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 liked Dean. I liked him as Superman. I thought it was a fun presence. Well, well, I just kind of thought he was a pretty interesting screen presence. Well, Dean Kane uh, whisking Dana away is just one more disappointment in a day full of them for old Scotty. You know what never disappoints, fellas? What's that? What's that? I'm glad you asked. I'm, of course, talking about the highly complex, masterfully blended Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar from Drew Estate. Oh, yeah. Happy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything else on the market. 
Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small torquettes or bundles of tobacco, which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water is then added while immense pressure is applied to the torquettes via humongous railroad jacks. The tobacco is removed two to three times per year, shaken out, then repacked. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months, leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. I smoked one just the other day. The Pappy Van Winkle's Family Reserve Bell Fermented is now available at brick-and-mortar Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere. Seek them out. Well, speaking of cigars, uh, where are you guys at on the Dojo Dogma Sun Grown? Getting my butt kicked. That's what is happening here. I've got flavors coming all up in this thing. It is a different animal altogether than the original Sun Grown. I'm not getting any of the milk chocolate. Like like uh, Yak said, I got some of the graham cracker and that sweetness on the cold draw, but that was quickly extinguished the minute I set this beast on fire. Uh, just a surprising amount of strength through the nose. Just a, a much more cedar-heavy uh, presence on the draw and uh, some earthiness. And um, I, I haven't got – one of you boys mentioned some mineral. I haven't gotten the mineral. It's just been mainly just that, that nose spike. Yeah, I'm, I'm still getting that. And the cedar. Um, but, you know, whenever earthiness is involved with Nicaraguan fillers, I, I'm always expecting hopefully a little bit of mineralness. So I'll, I'll wait for it. But, man, it's, it's really, really good. I'm wondering it's, if the uh, I'm wondering if my beer is playing in on that mineral flavor coming in. If you're if you're noticing, because we've been pretty in sync with our taste. Man, this thing. Is I'm so- getting just a very slight mineral. I'm mm-hmm. still getting just a real, very very slight of that sweetness initially. Really? Okay. But I mean, like you just said, that 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 those. Stronger flavors are just killing those. I mean, I'm really getting those at this point, but I am still getting them. So that I'm kind of excited about that. Well, I'll tell you this: this beer is a flavor bomb, and that's probably why I'm not I'm not. I might be getting your sweetness, but I'm attributing it to the beer because the beer is pretty sweet. Uh, but man, this cigar and that cedar and that pepper through the retro hell. That beer tries to crunch in on it, and it just elbows that beer and says, "Uh, uh-uh, you ain't coming up in here." It's they're 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 not playing nice; they're fighting each other in a good way. It's like I've got this kind of flavor coming in, and then I got this kind of flavor coming in, and both of them are holding their own. And it's like flavor battle royal. They're just battling out in your mouth. I am. They are just. Yeah. Reminds me of I have written a few scenes for. Uh, Penis Beach, and that kind of reminded me. Of, but I, I don't want to talk shop. We'll we'll okay, discuss. You would go with a. Uh, uh, you would say a whiskey and soda might be the way to go with this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually glad, uh, and I I am going to give the the Haze Wizard a shot here shortly after I drink this Jack Jack and uh, Coke Zero. Um, I, it's my favorite. When it, whenever I review a cigar. I, I tend to either stick to ideally a, a drier kind of non-invasive red wine if I'm drinking uh, booze, or whisk, or just a, a, a not a bourbon like a, just a Jack or a, a Jack and soda or something just that I know is not going to influence things too much. Um, I know the 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 true cigar media reviewers probably 
sip water or minerals water or Dude, don't sell yourself short. Uh, for our podcast listeners who might not know, uh, Kay does a lot of the cigar reviews for the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, but he also does cigar reviews for other entities as well. Uh, so, you know, it's probably one of the reasons why he has been mentioned as a top cigar palate uh, in the universe. I think. In the known, in the, the known, uni- the known yeah. universe, Todd. I, it, I'm not going to, cl- I'm not going to claim I'm one of the best in, in in universes that we haven't explored yet. Okay. There are genies and cigar <laughs> chomp and Santas. Uh, if you look closely, you can see me up there with those characters, uh, writing my writing my cigar notes. Uh, <laughs> are you friends with cigar chomp and Santa? I'm just a normal guy like you guys. I, despite what the internet says about me, I don't pay attention. You know me. I'm my ego is is very small. I I don't pay a lot of attention to. the Things like that, but uh, yeah, I, I, of course you put your pants on one leg at a time. But when I do, I write cigar reviews. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I I think you can never go wrong with a Jack and a Jack and Diet. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, drinks, calorie wise and cigar pairing wise, Doctor. Very good, sir. Uh, okay, well, back to the movie. I think we're all enjoying the cigar. We join a drunk Scotty spilling out his problems on a park bench to Gus, Pat Morita. Oh, I love that dude. He tells the wise old man that if he had a job, some money, some muscles, maybe a house, he could compete with the Dean Keynes of the world for a hot babe like Dana at the party. Gus tells him that all he really needs in life is a good blanket as he tosses one in his face and walks off. He's got his own problems. He doesn't need to sit here listening to this white guy giving him crap. As Scotty curls up on the bench to pass out, he mumbles that all he wants in life is a warm bed and a couple of babes, and he'd be totally happy. And guess what? Huh? Scotty wakes up in a king-size, comfy, warm bed on the middle of the beach with a naked babe on each side of him, just like he wished. And they're naked and hot. Am I right, Doctor? They, they are babes. He got his wish. He got his wish. Hold on a second, dudes. So he said that, and he got that. Give me one second. All I want is a successful podcast that can bring me financial security and allow me the freedom to live the rest of my life out in relative satisfaction and happiness. Hey! Didn't work. You don't have a language. Didn't work yet. Where's you got to sleep first, and then you'll wake up. And all will be well in the universe. Tomorrow morning, it's all going to come up, Cade, huh? Tomorrow right. morning, when uh, you I send you the video and you look up the video, and you're going to see, hey, it's right there. We're rich. Uh, okay. I just, I just once again. I, I realized how. But when it happens, don't forget about your buddies. I just well, want I, Pat Morita to be my I, seafood. I can't do the show without you guys, obviously. Well, we're going to be gone in this new reality. Cade's going to go, let's see what's on the new show. And it's going to be here's the podcast. Instead of Tut, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger over the control board. Because <laughs> Sutherland is the doctor putting the glasses on. Ready to go here, Cade. Instead of uh, Thanos, it's Kados, and he's like. 
and all of a sudden we just well, kind of digitize and yeah. blow away. You'll survive, Cade's dream. You'll, you'll be in Cade's dream. Uh, dude, it'll be Arnold Schwarzenegger with the headphones, and Doctor, it'll be James Spader wearing the doctor glasses. Oh, uh, yes. Cody, Cade, I, I don't feel too good. Cody, Yak Boy, you will still be here. And if, that, uh, if you get an internet booster so you don't freeze up so much. That, that, <laughs> tut, that painting that he got done, it's going to be like the Back to the Future picture. You and I are going to slowly disappear. Oh, it's just going to fade away. <laughs> there it is right there. Oh, oh gee, gee whiz, <laughs> gee whiz, Mitzi. I, I can't. can't We're gone, man. It's totally Spader. He's like, well, tonight I'm drinking the hop device. IPA, it's fucking, it's pretty fucking good, Kate. I wish you could ask me about it. Christ, I'm drinking it. All can I, can I snap my fingers and bring Spader? No, actually, no. I just, no, actually, I will just, I will just snap my fingers to have Mincy do Spader the entire time. You gotta have a lamp for that, Tut. I don't grow on a fucking tree. <laughs> Tut, rub your 10% beer and you'll be Mincy amazed. Mincy Spader, Mincy Spader. All right, I quit. Quit rubbing that thing. We got kids watching, for God's sake. Yeah. A beat, a beach cop on a three wheeler is racing towards their bed. It, it's literally he's laying in a bed in the middle of the beach, and this uh, beach cop puts his sirens on and starts coming towards him. So Scotty excuses himself from the ladies, grabs the genie lamp off the nightstand, and takes off running. And be hard to run without the ladies, but I understand when the popo's coming. Dude, I would have stayed there every second I could, but he's got to go. He's got to go. Scotty races to the office of a nearby mystic, played by the always awesome Vincent uh, Schiavelli. Yeah, I don't know how do you pronounce it. Schiavelli or Schiavelli or Chevelli? Sure. He, he, of course, was Mr. Vargas in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yes. And he was a lot of fun in Moonlighting as well. He had a really yes. Yes. He's just one of those recognizable guys that's that's really, really made to be in movies. He's uh, an instant screen presence, an instant screen chewer. It's like the moment he walks on, I just like snap to. Yeah. Um, the mystic tells him that the power of the genie lamp all depends on the genie itself and how much you believe. If you believe hard enough, anything is possible. Some help he was. He didn't really... Just much no, that's a good that's a good message for today. If you believe hard enough, anything is possible. Yeah, where's that getting us? You don't believe hard enough, Gary. And I'll start believing harder tomorrow. So Scotty takes the lamp to a public beach bathroom where he rubs it furiously like Tut was rubbing that uh, can of beer there. But then realizing how silly this all is, he stands up and's like, you know what, I'm taking a piss. So while he's at the urinal whizzing, Jeannie the genie appears out of nowhere in the bathroom. She tells him who she is and that he is now her master. He thinks the weirdo mystic sent her to fuck with him, but when she magically makes him showered and dressed in fresh clothes with the snap of her fingers, he has no choice but to believe he's got a genie now. Now, at this point, I'm like, all right. I'm a big I'm a I'm a big fantasy guy. I like fantasy stuff. And as far as I'm concerned, that's two wishes. What's, what's going on here? Boy's yeah. gotta be careful. Yeah, they they play fast and loose with the genie uh, rules here. I, I haven't seen a lot of genie movies, but this genie isn't a three wishes you're done genie. She's with him for life 
Unlimited wishes. Unlimited. Man, that's the best kind of genie. But as we all knew as kids, your third wish is always for 100 more wishes. That's one of the rules there. You can't wish for more wishes. Oh, is that a rule that... Yeah. Robin Williams explained this. I've never seen Aladdin. I've never seen any other... The only other genie movie I've seen is Getting Lucky we did uh, with the magical leprechaun in the beer bottle, so... Well, you know what? It makes sense because, you know, there's the three-wish genie petition, but then there's also the I Dream of Genie, which she was with him for the entire time. That's very true. That's true. Never, I never put those together. Um, well, they hit the beach, and as they're talking, no one can see the genie except Scotty, so he looks like a crazy ass who's just walking around talking to himself. TNCC style. TNCC style. <laughs> as, he, as he sits down in a beach chair watching a volleyball game, chatting with genie, the gorgeous Dana struts by and and Scotty tells the genie that she is the girl of his dream. She's everything he ever wanted. He says hi to Dana, who calls him Skippy. And that made me laugh out loud. It's just one of those names that I don't know why it makes me laugh. Uh, he looks to genie. She's obviously mistaken me for a peanut butter sandwich. Uh, or a jar, I like that line. Or a jar of peanut butter. A jar of peanut butter. Uh, which, let's face it, a jar of peanut butter has got about as much acting talent as Dean Cameron. Um, but then he realizes that he has the power of the genie on his side so he orders her to make Dana love him and despite genie calling out for him to come back he marches over to Dana who's talking to some studs he wraps his arm around her and he talks to her about them being together forever maybe we'll have some kids he's getting all in he's like I wished for it she's mine but then Dana pours a drink over his head and giggles harshly at him and to add insult to injury, Dean Kane comes over and pushes him down the sand and calls him a butthead. Classic <laughs> beach bull. Classic Dean Kane, right? Uh, Jeannie explains when he comes back covered in sand. She can't control matters of the heart. She can't make people love each other. But she can control this. Scotty wishes immediately that he was the best volleyball player in the world and Boom. She makes it so. He challenges Dean Kane and his partner, that smug bastard, to a $100 a game two-on-two tournament. And the next thing we know, Scotty and the fat hot dog vendor nearby are kicking all kinds of volleyball ass. Yeah. Uh, he was like, who are you going to play with? And Dean, like, you pick. Dean Cameron was, or Scott was like, you pick. So Dean Kane looks over and is like, See that guy, that uh, fat guy eating hot dogs? That's your new partner. And in comes one of the most classic beach volleyball scenes since the boys of summer in Top Gun. The only thing missing was a slider. Doctor, you were a volleyball player in your youth. You uh, you had some, some time in the sand. Have you ever seen a slaughter of this magnitude at the Nets? Usually by the team that was playing me, yes. Um, I, played a little, uh, I played a little sand volleyball. Uh, it's very difficult. There is a skill required. Um, so you would have to wish to be very good. Um, it's, it's in a, it's, it is not explained and inexplicable how the hot dog vendor is still able to participate somehow. I love that. I understand why Scotty is the world's best player. He's hitting some great shots and all that. 
but the hot, the fat hot dog vendor is soaring through the air and doing all sorts of acrobatic I, shots. I love that because it was like, it, you know, when the fat guy gets over there, he's not like, "What's going on? I don't know. You're interfering with my right. hot dog." What's, he would, he just like fist bumps him, gives him a wink, and is like, "We got this." I and love like, that. I love that fat hot dog vendor. He was a good little actor too. He had some charisma. I loved it. He they did. He really uh, did. They would put me up at the front of the net just because of my height, because I could jump up and block shots. But to yeah. actually, when somebody serves to the ball, it. to to yeah, to dig it, to you have to perfectly put your hands together to pop the ball up in the air, and that's difficult. That takes some practice. And then the hardest thing is to set it. Like if a person wants to spike to get under it and, and, and without, cause like, like basketball, you can't palm it. You can't grab it. You've got to perfectly with your fingers, push it up in the air. Those, those are very difficult things to do. Uh, so that the hot dog vendor comes out there and is, is smacking the ball up in the air for Scotty is, is ridiculous, but fun. They never let me play volleyball because I'm like grunting out there like a Rancho Sanchez. I'm like, I don't think I need, I don't think I need to say this on the record, but I'll go ahead and do it. Uh, note to self, nobody here needs to be playing beach volleyball with Tut. And uh, my, 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 my sand volleyball days were many years in the past now. Um, and it was a beer league, but uh, there were people that took it seriously and people like me who didn't. They were just out there to meet members of the opposite sex. Um which was a very fun part about it because it was a co-ed volleyball league. Uh, but uh, yeah, to, to uh, you know, to just for someone for someone at my height to just jump up and hit it or to, yeah. to block a shot was easy. But the the, the digging and the setting, uh, you know, we, we would play with some people that were really good. They've been playing for a while. That's that's difficult. So volleyball <laughs> is one of those weird sports that it, to me it's easy to make fun of, but I always like watching it. I mean, I'm just, I don't know why, but I, volleyball's on. I'm watching it. I'm like, oh. Well, I think it's anything. Fun, it's fun to play in a beer league. Uh, I, the, the fact that the fat hot dog vendor is out there diving around, I, I, that was really amusing for me. And, like, in, in between shots, they're high-fiving. They're bumping their bellies together. They're doing victory dances all over the place. Uh, I'm with Tud. It's a great volleyball scene. There's a, And there's like a minute montage of them just flying through the air, like just the fat guy and Scotty just soaring. No volleyballs even coming towards them. They're just jumping all over the place. It's a uh, montage. Doctor, in your medical opinion, even if Scotty were to wish that we, in a deleted scene, that the fat hot dog vendor would be a good volleyball player, would you say that he would be exhausted after this game, given his body weight and lack of physical exercise? Well, it's an interesting question, Cade. You could certainly wish for him to be a good volleyball player, but to your question, my God, he would have to be so thoroughly exhausted. Every muscle fiber in his body would have to be on fire with pain. In fact, I'm surprised he didn't have a myocardial infarction from the effort he put forward. My God. Do you think the next day at the hot dog cart he'd be able to slip a wiener between a set of buns? I'm afraid after exertion of that magnitude, it would be far too early to tell. I think you're right, Doctor. I think you're right. Well, we'll find out because I'm casting that guy 
<laughs> in Penis Beach. We're getting that guy. The 70-year-old hot dog volleyball player. Much like it's- myself, I'm pretty sure he is also now a hologram. <laughs> It's such a dominating performance that even the sultry Dana under her sun hat can't help but be impressed. And so's Jeannie, who's smiling and cheering on Scotty and the hot dog vendor all the way. In a very smooth move, when Scotty dives into the sand in front of Dana, he calls her Deborah, kind of to get her back for that Skippy comment. I thought that was kind of a really smooth, cool move, Kate style. And uh, I hate to dispel anything from the movie we're watching but take it from me and my own personal experience no hot woman is impressed by your skill level at a recreational sand volleyball game <laughs> they were impressed when i stood up and said fuck it i'm out of here i'm getting rid of the drink that's when i used to met some ladies <laughs> mid 80s and early 90s films would disagree with that hypothesis Dr. i was about to say it depends i still say that it depends on the quality of volleyball i mean it's not just Scotty was a volleyball player. Scotty was the best volleyball player. The best Dude. of all time, in Decade's point, early 90s. My my volleyball days, I was not the best ever, decidedly, and it was in a different time era. You, you know, mean, actually, actually, Doc makes a lot of sense. Nobody ever talks about Val Kilner or Slider in the volleyball scene. They all talk about Tom Cruise, who left the volleyball game. That's right. And they made Dean Kane eat sand. That's that says something. That's impressive. There and were no it, there were no Dean Cain's playing me in the volleyball games. Speaking I, I, of, I liked my doppelganger, who was Dean uh, <laughs> Dean Cain's uh, partner, who just was like a chia pet, and it was just like I was like, oh man, that's he's the reason the, why I wear a shirt at a beach. He's the only character in the film with more body grotesque body hair than our hero Scotty Dean Cameron. <sighs> All right. Well, speaking of Scotty, he takes Jeannie the Genie over to the garage, like a car garage where Lars and Soup live to show them the answer to all their problems, which, of course, they can't see because she's invisible. No problem there. Scotty just wishes that they could see her. And with a snap of Jeannie's fingers, they're all on the same page. First things first, they get Jeannie to grant them a giant fucking mansion on the beach, which is basically a resort. It's like a hundred room resort. That just yeah. appears on the beach. Soup's bedroom comes complete with sexy stage dancers 24-7. Lars, Alexis Arquette, wishes that the heavy metal band Afterbirth would play live in his bedroom all the time, which is a wish she easily grants. Snap of the fingers. And it doesn't stop there. Scotty's friends want Lakers tickets, lifetime VI passes to Disneyland. So here's my question. Granted, I haven't seen a lot of Genie movies. I'm not familiar with Genie rules. Because she can grant these wishes, okay, the logistics of how these things instantaneously come to be have to be factored in. I mean, somebody owns all that land, beachfront property that the resort just shows up on. The band Afterbirth has to have, like, relatives or someone that would realize they've gone missing. They're, like, oh, missing. I'll easily explain, my friend. Maybe not Afterbirth, but a, a, a band that has fans and family would be like, hey, they got a gig. Where are they? They just disappeared. They're doing, they're doing a residency at the Scott McKay Mansion. I want solid answers on how this whole genie in a bottle thing can really work in real life. And I have a sinking suspicion, boys, I'm not going to get them in this film. Just like I didn't get them in episode 47's Getting Lucky, 
which was a far superior, in my opinion, genie film. But if I you were sum it up, I can give you your answer with one word: magic. 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 It's magic. Yep. It's all. It solves everything. That's, Land that's, use issues, property values, magic. That's a good answer. Tuesday canceled. Magic. It would appear that uh, from another wish that that Dean or Scotty will make shortly. It would appear that the wishes uh, there's some kind of time continuum where Doc understands time continuum, but we're going to get to that in a minute when Martin Mole comes into it, but. There seems to be, once you make that wish, it displaces all of those concerns that you brought up, Kate. Somewhere the deeds for that beachfront property are changed to Scotty's name. It, it's retroactive. She, When she grants and a wish... sitting in the complex refrigerator. You wish it to be true, and any ancillary concern is wiped out because you wished it to be true. My God, Doctor, I'm glad you're on the show. Hey, <laughs> I assume you didn't just invite me along for my polyester shirts. I was going. I made a note just to mention all ancillary concerns will be addressed, but I was like, I don't know if that's right. You nailed it. Hey, glad I'm, I'm here for you, buddy, all the time. Ah. Well, Scotty looks out his sophisticated bedroom window. He doesn't have the pole dancers in the metal band. He wished for something more subtle and refined to impress high-class Dana. And he sees homeless Gus, Pat Morita, sitting down below on the park bench reading a newspaper. He commands Jeannie to give me $10,000 right now. But when he goes down there and tries to give it to Gus, Pat Morita refuses. He doesn't want charity. I just want to work. So Scotty gives, the humble, the, Scotty gives the humble man a job. Leeches, Lars, and Soup decide that a giant house party is in order, so instead of calling up the usual beach bimbos they usually party with, they get Jeannie to force the Miss International Beauty Pageant contestants who've just shown up at the airport nearby to come instead. And Jeannie's happy to do it. She's smiling her ass off at all their requests. She's having a grand old time. They send hard worker Gus over to Dana's Via with flowers and an evening gown to pick her up in a limousine to take her to a reception tonight in her honor. Do you really want to be with a high-maintenance chick if it takes these kind of stunts to woo her? Yaks, I'm guessing your answer is yes, capital Y-E-S. No. You don't want those kind of people in your lives. What happened to the days of just knowing what her favorite wine cooler flavor was and trying your damnedest not to get too shit-faced before dark so you'd remember to pick her up? Oh, the 90s. Ah, oh, the 90s. Oh, we were done talking about my sand volleyball days. <laughs> if you didn't wish for the hot tub to be hot and the wine coolers to be cool, all would be well. But he did not. That used to be class. That used to be sophisticated. I don't know if it was ever class or sophisticated, but it was just the way of things. It got the job done. Man, I tell you what, I'm 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 barreling into the third of this, the yeah. last third, and man, the strength is even picked up a little bit more. Uh, the flavors are just right there on point. It's just man, this is a little dynamo of a cigar. Look at this. Now smoke. I'm smoking it like crazy. Look at the smoke pouring out of this thing. Uh, yeah. I've actually, 
last third, with that earthiness has come some of that Nicaraguan mineral. Uh, it's playing super good with the maybe the strongest cedar I've had in a cigar in a long, long time. Usually when I get a strong woodsy note, it comes across as like oak or like a mesquite. No, this is still straight up cedar, but it's kicky in the ball cedar, playing great with the earth and the mineral. That retro hail has not stopped uh, really being a real nice, strong presence on the nose. Um, yeah, uh, this is kind of a, for being a variation of an existing cigar, this is playing nothing like my memory of the original. Of what the, yeah, what the original was. That's the cool thing about it is that usually when you get a variation, you get a, a, a variation on a flavor or a variation on a tune, if you will. And this is a completely different song. I mean, it's, I'm really, really digging the song. Okay. Well, before you blaze through it, let's talk price point. What do you think? Tut, you're up. Oh, I can easily go thirteen fifty on this. That's kind of like my go-to standard for a midpoint. I'll even go up around fifteen for it. Thirteen. I'll adjust, I'll adjust it to fit. I'll just I'll just go ahead and adjust it to fifteen. Fifteen dollars. You'd be more than happy to spend on this fat bastard. I would. Okay. Yes. That might be the beer talking, but we'll we'll find out. Um. I could agree with Tut, but I'm I just got the feeling that I mean this this is gonna hit me right around the twelve. Twelve it is, it is an undercrown and their claim to fame for years since the incarnation of it is a more affordable a more affordable um you know, if if you're not willing to shell out the fifteens plus for the ligas, then you know the undercrown is is in your wheelhouse. You said twelve, Yaks? I said twelve. I'm just saying that if you take a swig of the Black is Beautiful and do it with the Dogma Chaser, that's flavor. I can tell you're in Flavor Town, my friend. Ten uh, fifty. That's what it costs. Yeah, ten fifty. Wow. No, I'm, like I'm not even enjoying it with you guys tonight, and I can tell that's great value. That's 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 all kinds of worth. It. That is all kinds of worth it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, man, DE's on fire here. I, you know, I should mention, you know, you got to mention these were uh, submitted to us by Drew Estate, our sponsor. Uh, but we were blown away by the year of the rat, that League of Nine wrapper in a different Vitola with a different uh, composition was so damn good and performed so damn flawlessly. Uh, this sucker is just something totally different from that and just. It's just a chant, man. Yeah, ten fifty. I should mention when these are released, go over to famoussmokeshop.com. They're going to be priced competitively, but if you punch in promo code TNCC twenty at checkout, you're going to save twenty bucks on your Dojo Dogma Undercrown Sungrowns, and you're going to be happy to save a little bit of money. You're welcome. Ten uh, fifty is a good price for this cigar. Damn good price. Do we know an approximate time when they've said that these will be out for release? They're doing an online, as as everything is these days, they're doing an online uh, release party uh, next week. Uh, check out Drew Estate's Facebook page, and they'll have the details. Um, and seek it out, man. TNCC approved. Three thumbs up? Yes. Three thumbs up, easily. All right. Well, back to the party. Literally, that night, the house party is jumping at the resort. 
All the international pageant contestants are checking in at the door, and Lars and Soup are giddy as shit. They're loving this. They were living in a garage yesterday, or this morning, and now they're throwing a house party at a resort. The contestants check in, including the bleach-blonde, large-chested, Caucasian Miss Iraq. Okay. It was the 90s. Uh, who can't help but get into a slap fight with Miss Kuwait on their way into the resort. And, <laughs> and, an unexpected political joke in Miracle Beach. I didn't see that coming. Uh, we will have zero political commentary in my film, Bikini Penis. Unlike the other gals, Miss Siberia is a little frigid. Totally glacial, Lars says. I thought that was funny. Um, when Dana arrives in the limousine driven by Gus, Scotty's waiting to greet her in a suit. His old bartending buddy, that, that husky doofus, shows up as well. And he tells Dana when he sees her, we loved you in that commercial. So, dude, in that opening scene in the bar, that girl on TV they were drooling over, that was Dana. It's a nice little tie everything together. Uh, maybe it was meant to be after all. Kismet? Maybe? Possibly. Pat Morita, Gus, is doing his job, but we can tell he doesn't completely agree with all these geniated shenanigans the guys are up to. He's always got this disapproving frown on his face. The party's going swell. Both Lars and Soup are lounging in the pool with topless international pageant contestants. Been there, done that. Oh, man, Miss Bulgaria? The director has a signature move where he pans... Todd, did you take notes on this? I want to use it in my film. He pans slowly from left to right over a beauty contestant's naked ass, up her body to her bare boobs, then up to her face... And he uses the same pan up their bodies over and over and over again. I liked it from a cinematography standpoint. Did you did you uh, get that, Ted? Yes, and I'm probably not as experienced as a cinematographer, so I'm going to need at least 15 to 20 takes on this. I believe it's what Jean-Luc Godard referred to as mise and scene. <laughs> did I misunderstand that? It is Mizencene. Mizencene, I get it. Well, correct. And Tut, time is money, but I'm going to give you a little bit of more I'm time. I'm a perfectionist. On these shots. Um, a ska band is rocking the stage. Everybody's really happy, including Jeannie. When Scotty thanks for, for all this, she says, hey, it's my pleasure. Especially when it's for such romantic aspirations like Scotty's desire for Dana. Lars and Soup's wishes, not so much, but you know what? I'm game for whatever, she says. I'm a genie. It's my job. We're about So Scotty walks off. We're about halfway into the film, and I thought in this moment right now, we might be introduced to a plot twist where Jeannie and Scotty would develop some feelings for each other. She's so cute, but he seems oblivious yeah. to it. Or at least feelings from her for him somehow, even though he's a total loser, played by Dean Cameron. But there's no sign of that so far. She's just happy, smiling. He's just blindly chasing Dana. At this point in the movie, boys, it's just party, and I'm okay with that. That's our motto, man, just party. Just party, man. And That's okay. That's okay, too. If we don't get a, a romantic subplot, fine. We got naked chicks. We're partying. Let's do this. Well, if nothing else, she is fulfilling her duties. 
So she's not going to end up in a her genie bottle for the rest of eternity. But my God, she seems happy doing it. She's really having a blast. Yeah, you got to enjoy your work. You do. You do. God, I wish I did. I mean, uh, I probably would have immediately wished for the genie to be my real-life girlfriend and for me to have $20 million and just call the quits right then. But then we wouldn't have a movie. That would be what we call a doctor in the film business. Got your learning hats on. We call that a short film. Genie shows up. She's hot. All right, you're my girlfriend. I want $20 bucks. End credits. Movie's over. Movie's over. Chom skin. Chom skin. Dana spots legendary film producer Donald Burbank, played by legendary Martin Mole, standing over at the bar. And Scotty tells her that they're old friends, which makes Jeannie so happy, or which makes Jeannie, she's like, oh, shit, I got to make this happen. She snaps her fingers, and boom, all of a sudden, legendary film producer Donald Burbank has all these memories of him and Scotty from years ago when they were kids, even though they're, you know, 20 years age difference. Remember when we... This brings full circle to what I was talking about earlier when you talked about the band disappearing and the house yeah. coming up. She wishes it. And now all of a sudden that reality is true. Remember when we used to throw eggs at Miss McGuffin's house? And he's like, okay, Scotty's just playing along. Uh, it's at this point that I realized a mistake I made uh, with Martin Mull, who I do respect. He's legendary and I appreciate him being in here. Legendary, really, Le- legendary might be a stretch, but okay. Well, I kind of thought that the credits said Richard Mull, and when I realized Richard Mull was not in this, I was a little bit disappointed. The big uh, seven-foot-tall guy that played the bailiff on Night Court. Yeah. Hey, yes. that, that could have been him emceeing the beauty pageant at the end. That guy was like eight feet tall. He could have put a wig on him. And... <laughs> no, I don't want uh, to see Richard Mull. Yeah, no, it's not Richard Mole. Uh, Scotty introduces Dana to Donald, who has, as I said, all these fabricated genie-induced memories of him and Scotty. Oh, Scotty, my man! Donald basically says, I like your body, Dana. You should call me at my office next week. And that works just fine for her. Scotty then takes Dana up to his subtle yet elegant master bedroom where an elderly jazz trio is playing in the corner. That's a nice touch. He proposes a toast to all their wishes coming true. That is a sound effect you'll hear a lot in my film, Bikini Penis. Undoubtedly. Undubitably. After a poolside pep talk from Lars and Soup back down the party, and a little help from Jeannie, Miss Japan, who was feeling very insecure about her singing voice for the upcoming competition takes the stage, and she rocks that party's collective ass off. She's singing like a rock star. We cut back to the master bedroom where Scotty and Dana are slow dancing and sucking face, all while the elderly jazz trio continue to play, and they're watching the makeout session, just smiling, enjoying the show. I was My question was, so their families aren't worried where these old geezers are either, but doctor, you answered that question. Scotty looks over and sees their depraved, geriatric, horny smiles and wisely dismisses them. They're kind of ruining the mood. He tells them they can go for the night so he and Dana can bone in private. Good call. Good call. I was really waiting just to hear like that little guy thing like, oh. <laughs> the trombone. 
But just as things are getting hot and heavy, there's a pounding on the door. It's fucking cockblockers Lars and Soup who want Scotty to teach Miss Australia and the heavy metal band Afterbirth how to yodel or some nonsense like that. I didn't really understand. Jeannie's with them, and when she sees Dana on the bed, she reminds Scotty he didn't want a simple one-night stand. You want something real with Dana, and if you sleep together tonight, she won't respect you. And damn it, it makes Scotty take pause. He doesn't do it. Doesn't seal the deal. The next morning, while taking a walk on the beach, Jeannie tells her master that she saw Dana leave the resort the next morning. Scotty says, yeah, we had a great time. Dana was particularly fond of the hot wax, and I highly enjoyed the pasta noodle bondage games. Tut, tell us more about these pasta noodle bondage games. I know you fashion yourself kind of a culinary Romeo, if you will. Okay, well, first of all, you have to take a trip to Japan, and you have to really kind of get into the art of knot tying. Uh, Then once you have mastered the knots, then you come back, and I would just suggest a Costco variation of the pool noodle. Uh, Not Walmart, Costco. Costco is inexpensive, but better quality. Okay. I wasn't expecting an answer there. Thank you. That was a nuanced, cogent, well-thought-out, and intelligent answer. Thank you. I always want to give cost variants, so you might be persuaded to go the Coles route for your pool noodle, and it might seem like a good idea, but no, go with the Costco. But, Ted, he was referring to pasta noodles, not pool noodles. Sounds like Tut's in the know here, though. Maybe there's some uh, terminology, some code words. Some bedroom antics involving pool noodles we need them. You say pasta noodle, but you meant meant pool noodle all along? Well, you know, I didn't get into the scene until about 2007, so, you know, I'm not a historian per se on the noodle game, but, you know, maybe maybe there was an Italian variation in the 90s. Oh, God, 2007, that was when you were on the Travis Tritt tour. Moving on. Yeah, it was. Again, I really hope I still have a professional reputation after this, this scene. Well, it turns out, Doctor, the genie got her wish as Scotty slept on the floor. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Which it is like nothing happened, just no intercourse. Which is total lame sauce. Yeah, he did something with the pasta noodles, uh, but nothing Ooh, happened. Bills. No, I like it. Scott's trying. Scott's trying to. He's trying to do the long game. It is the long game. There is, some ins- there is some insight there into into the character that he's not looking to just get laid, which you would think any guy in 1992 at least with in the these types of movies would probably wish for. He 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 wants this this babe to be his, his long term. Well, appar- well, apparently, Doctor, in this piece of fiction, might as well be science fiction. Dean Cameron's already banged every hot housewife on the beach, so sex obviously is easy to come for him, and he's looking for something real now. It is definitely science fiction. Um, he tells, no, I'm sure he's charming. He tells Jeannie if he's going to get Dana to truly fall in love with him, he's going to need a whole new image. If I really want her to love the true me, I have to become somebody completely different. <laughs> Tracks. Tracks. Makes sense. I I like it. 
the genie says, you know what? You just need to be yourself. That should be enough. But she's still up for teaching him some upscale stuff to impress Dana. So she takes Scotty to an art gallery. Then she educates him on some fancy gourmet cuisine. There's a funny scene at the restaurant where he's asking the invisible genie sitting next to him to teach him about the, I want to know about meats, hot and juicy red meats. And a lonely older woman sitting alone at a nearby table thinks he's flirting with her because she can't see genie, obviously. It worked for me. I thought it was a, a nice little laugh. I thought it was funny. Um, it would have been funnier if you banged that old lady. <laughs> I don't know if it would have been funnier. Got to clean up. I don't think hey, so. Don't think if he's so. going to end up nailing Danny, got to clean out the pipes. Yeah, it didn't need to go there. Save that for penis speech. Oh, it's it's in there. It's in there. Uh, and Jeannie the be- G- Jeannie the genie seems to be really charmed by our boy Scotty during all this. And as she teaches him how to properly slow dance later, I'm thinking my theory of a love story brewing between the two of them just might evolve into something after all, even though the movie itself isn't giving me any inclination it's going to happen. Uh, we are, I should mention, going to have a major love story in my film, uh, Boner Penis Academy. Get ready for it. Brace yourselves. I'm liking this new track. I'm liking this. In fact, Tut, the next night after impressing Dana at the art gallery, and as she calls it, the smartest restaurant in town, with his wine choices, they find themselves... What makes a smart restaurant? I thought that was a very odd thing for her to say. You took me to the smartest restaurant in town. But I kind of thought it was a smart thing to say. Like, is that what... like? cultured people call restaurants like that was a really smart restaurant we went to tonight i've never heard of it but i'm not that cultured so i can't speak to what cultured people call restaurants i'm gonna use it i'll let you guys know if it works like did you enjoy the smart restaurant this is like it's a highway taqueria we had burritos asshole. i'm glad you guys brought this point up and being a man of some culture myself it's something that only posers would use dana's a poser dana is a poser yeah I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Well, they find themselves making out on the beach. Busted. And just as he's hot and ready to harpoon his white whale Dana, the harpoon being his penis, Genie pops up and reminds him this isn't right. So he grabs his boombox and scampers away, telling Dana he wants to bang her, but he just doesn't feel right about it. Playing a little hard to catch. Somewhere Dean Kane is shaking his head at all this bullshit nonsense. As Scotty and Jeannie are driving away, Lars and Soup call the car phone to ask for 15 bingo sets pronto back at the resort. And once Jeannie grants the wish, we cut back to the resort where we see a bingo game in progress and the winner shouts out in glee, bingo, and rips her bikini top off. Bingo! Classic Lars and Soup. Classic Lars and Soup. When, uh, I'm waiting for you guys to change your Zoom screen names to Lars and Soup at any point now. Sorry, Scotty McCade. Oh, did I? Kitty <laughs> Bingo. I just saw that. Is that something I Is that something I did? Hubba Dubba Doo. Oh, yes. We haven't got one Hubba Dubba Doo out of you. We've seen like a million naked chicks. Uh, why do I bother with you? You know what, Lars and Sue. All right, let's let's rewind back to Monique. 
Rewind. Keep rewinding. And she jumps up. Ginormous titties. Hubba dubba doo. All right, there you go. Smart restaurant. Tut, what the fuck is a smart fucking restaurant? Is that one where the Hamburglar and Grimace have a fucking philosophical debate? That's a smart fucking restaurant. I got, I got my wish. I got my wish. You got your wish granted. He's doing Spader for you. I guess it'll be this way. Yeah. Ah, good job, doctor. When Scotty and Jeannie get back to the resort, they settle in to watch some TV and snack on some popcorn that was popped courtesy of the always disapproving and disgruntled Gus, Pat Morita. You know, his ass, so was, his ass was sleeping on a park bench a couple nights ago, but he can't help but give judging looks at everything Scotty does. Screw him. No, he's wise. He is my seafood. He's my spirit animal. Gave away his good blanket. <sighs> What does that mean? He's my seafood. Seafood. Teacher. What? Seafood means teacher. Oh, I think you said seafood. No, not seafood. Not seafood. We eating seafood here. That's what I that's I heard that too. We eating seafood here. Now, I, I, I heard you say he's my seafood also. What are you oh. saying? Spell it. We're having some food. Seafood. S I F U. Apparently, seafood. Oh. I thought you said that earlier too, seafood, and I let it go. Uh, S I F U is Asian for teacher. Yes. All right. But sensei. Sensei is another proper term. Master seafood is off as well. Master's- I can't remember if seafood is Chinese. I think it is Chinese for teacher. Seafood is Chinese. Sensei is Japanese for master. I'm just going to keep drinking. Well, Master, sen- master, sensei, master sensei over at Cigar Dojo is partly responsible for this uh, cigar we're smoking tonight, and I would like to thank him because it is exceptional. I'm going to smoke this down to the very last drop. Yeah, it, it, it brought out the nub tool. It brought out the nub tool. I think I might have it to bust is. mine out to that's some good stuff right there, uh, especially man. Once you get past, once you get into the first two thirds of this thing, were beautiful, and then when you get into that last third, the flavors just intensify. The strength picks up a little bit. It's yeah. it's really really good. It's a uh, good job, Dojo. Good job, Drew Estate. Scotty, uh, they're sitting on the couch there. Scotty and Jeannie. He takes off his friendship bracelet and puts it on Jeannie's wrist. He tells her that she's much more than just his genie. She's also his friend. We cut to Gus. He kind of approves of this. Scotty tells her that he has indeed found the girl of his dreams. And when he leans forward on the couch, she closes her eyes for a kiss, but he kisses her on the forehead instead. And I have you to thank for it, he says. Good night, genie. I was right. She loves him. That has to go against the genie code of ethics, I imagine. Falling in love I with your master. So. Yeah. Falling in love with your master. I forget. In getting lucky, did uh, the little leprechaun ever fall in love with the doofus who he was saddled up with? He, that he just uh, that loved beer and lots of it. Yeah, no, yeah, Lepke was, was shit faced all the time. Yeah, was it Lepke? Lepke, yeah. Yeah, he was just drunk all the time. Um, Exeter, Flexeter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the next morning, we're on a Cologne commercial set. 
where Dana, dressed in skimpy camouflage fatigues, rescues a wounded soldier in the middle of the jungle. There's explosions going on and firefight. How did you ever find me, he asks. It was your cologne, she says. Cut! Dude, that, come on, this scene is funny. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really, really funny little commercial. Scotty and Jeannie watch the take on the monitors, and he's super proud of Dana's talents. Also on set is mega film producer Donald Burbank, who whisked Dana away to her to his trailer, or her trailer, I guess, it doesn't matter, where she seduces him. She even squirts the 80s, 90s <laughs> Bianca or Binaka. Bianca. Binaka, yeah. And while he's sitting there on the couch and she's stripping off her clothes, Invisible Genie is sitting there with her invisible eyes watching all of this. When a disheveled Dana then stumbles out of her trailer 10 minutes later, who wouldn't be all out of sorts after blowing Martin Mole, am I right? <clears throat> for 10 minutes. <laughs> Doctor, I was looking for you there with the spader. For Christ's sake, you're going to blow Martin Mole for a film reward. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, you blew fucking Colonel Mustard. I mean, that's it. You blew you blew Colonel Mustard, for Christ's fucking sake. I was a t- turf. I mean, why didn't you blow me? <laughs> I can do a drink another hop device IPA and say enough with this fucking dog and pony show. It, it, did Martin Mole play Colonel Mustard? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, if you didn't Clue. know that, then I just wasted some great material. What movie? Clue. Clue. Oh, I never saw Clue. I guess what? Kate never played any board games in his fucking youth. He was just waiting to become the world's biggest podcast cigar celebrity. Wasting my fucking time. <laughs> I did I see. I, I, did see I did see Tough Turf a couple times. That counts for something, yes. Um, well, she comes out of there wiping her mouth after going down on Martin Mole, Ugh. and she hugs Scotty and tells him that she just landed a role in one of Donald Burbank's blockbuster movies, and she owes it all to him. Jeannie's standing right there watching all this bullshit go down, and for the first time we see her, she's not happy. Well, yeah. Don't make Jenny not happy. She had to watch that. You know what makes me happy, boys? What makes you happy? What's that? I'm glad you asked. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the Pappy Van Winkles Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar from our friends at Drew Estate. This unique stogie is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Grande Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything else on the market. Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky. They don't select these leaves with their feet. That would be crazy. They use their hands. And they're then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water's then added while immense pressure is applied to the torquettes via railroad jacks. Not car jacks, little wimpy car jacks. Not Wolfgang jacks. Not jumping jacks. Railroad jacks. The tobacco is then removed two to three times per year. We've seen it happen. It's glorious. It's juicy. It's There's a science to this shit. They shake it out. Then they repack it in the barrels. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months, longer than a baby in a belly. This cigar takes longer to come to fruition than a human being. 
leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. The Pepe Van Winkle's Family Reserve Barrel Ferment is now available at every brick and mortar Drew Diplomat retailer everywhere. And if you'd like to smoke the unique pig-sized Vitola of the Pappy, which is really different from all the rest because of the nature of the Vitola, head over to pappyco.com as that is the only place you'll find it. Only place. The next morning on the beach where the highly underqualified Lars and Soup are giving some kind of surfing lessons, Scotty tells Jeannie that tonight's the night. He's finally going to seal the deal with Dana. Jeannie's hesitant, asking if he's positive that Dana's feelings for him are genuine, but he has no doubts because he's a total fucking moron. He's going to bang her at her place after a nice sensual massage. So, of course, he wants Jeannie to make him the world's best masseuse. But she insists that he practice on her first. Massage away, mm-hmm. ma- massage away, master, she purrs. Your fingers are like magic, Scotty. Oh, yeah. Here we go. And as horny as you degenerates were watching this scene, we cut to wise old Gus watching it up from the balcony above with a grin on his face and his hand down his pants. He knows what's up. Wax on, wax off, motherfuckers. Oh. Side to side. No, he, he, he's just... Always look guy. Always look guy. He's just kind of smiling for the first time. He wants, <laughs> he, he wants these two kids to get together, I think. Well, he's Scotty, romantic. Scotty, they're not, he's not massaging uh, Jeannie Long. He does indeed feel something during the massage that feels different from anything he's felt before. So he cuts it short and jumps into his B&W to go jump between Dana's legs. I'm guessing he popped a boner. We don't really see it. He just freaks out out of nowhere. And Lee, I, I'm guessing he, he got a boner, right? Maybe he got afraid. Yeah. He was starting to have feelings for Jeannie. You think maybe it was, it was more matters of the heart than of the penis? He was, yes, I think he was conflicted about his feelings. So he decided to run away. It was in his penis heart. Fight or flight. He chose to flight. Show me up and down. <laughs> oh, he was going up and down on that balcony. Lock wrist. But Scotty tells Jeannie to stay behind. I can handle this mission all on my own because that's worked out for him so well in life so far. He was pushing a grocery cart full of all his shit a week ago. I got this, Jeannie. I, I think I know what I'm doing. Okay. That actually is sound BS. Oh, the arrogance. That actually is TNCC style. Hey, we failed at this for five years. We get this little window. Now, you know what? I think we know what we're doing. Beat it, gift from God. (laughs) So Jeannie does indeed stay back at the resort, eating pizza, chugging Miller Lights, and watching bad late-night TV, or as I call it, great late-night TV. When a shampoo commercial comes that weekdays, we did. <laughs> Doctor, when was the last time you threw a slice of pizza at your TV? Just now. Hey, uh, Ixnay on the pizza A at the TV A. Eh? <laughs> when a shampoo commercial comes on the TV starring Dana of all people, Jeannie tosses a slice of pizza at the screen. <laughs> I wanted a more of a <laughs> there, but yeah, they, you did. We didn't get it. Who didn't have the oddball sound effects? No. <laughs> uh, 
one more failing of a Dean Cameron film. She doesn't hate Dana because she has beautiful hair, like in the shampoo commercial. She hates her because she's a lying sleazebag, she yells at the screen. True that. She's right. Jeannie turns the channel to the Clippers NBA game. Man, Doctor, she really is from another world if she's a Clippers fan. Am I right? Yeah, that's pretty bad. Especially in the 90s. You get the Lakers on? And when she sees the team struggling, she zaps their star player, Gary Grant, onto the couch and gives him a pep talk. No more playing the perimeter. You need to be throwing elbows and driving to the basket. Then she snaps her fingers and zaps him back in the game, and suddenly the Clippers are on the scoreboard. Gary Grant slam dunking. She can truly work. She can truly work miracles, boys. She's making the Clippers good. Doctor, was this a real NBA guy? Yes, he was. In fact, Gary Grant was a college superstar for the Michigan Wolverines in the '80s, pre the Fab Five era of the early '90s. Chris Webber. Yes, Gary Grant was an All-American guard at Michigan, uh, was a first-round draft pick by the Clippers, uh, 88 or 89, and uh, never really lived up to his potential of the superstar he was in college. But for about two or three years there in the early 90s, he was a promising young player for the Clippers. So it would have made sense at the time. Uh, It never really panned out. He became a backup player. Uh, but did have a long NBA career of at least a decade. That's not terrible. That's not terrible. How the dude? If I was a good podcaster, I would have zoomed in Gary Grant right now to tell us how he got involved in this cinematic uh, catastrophe. But I'm just impressed at the Doc's basketball knowledge. I was a decent fan in the '90s. I wasn't a great NBA fan. But I was a decent fan in the '90s, and I was just like, "Who's this guy?" I knew the doctor would know. He was he was a college star, and it was you know one of those guys that it just never really panned out in the NBA. Had a brief promising beginning there with the Clippers, but he did make a lot of money and play for throughout the '90s. Made himself a lot of money. Hey What's man, he played that long. I mean, got to be decent. A decade in the NBA. We've got a high school friend uh, who I think probably doctor about a decade. Brian Skinner in the NBA, a little, and a little longer than that. And did oh, a couple wow. years in Europe, but the '90s is when the salaries really skyrocketed for both baseball and basketball. So, yeah, Gary Grant, real guy, a uh, real NBA player for the Clippers, probably thought he'd uh, cash in and you know maybe make some money in some other way. But uh, Miracle Beach, Miracle, Miracle Beach. Beach, you got that Miracle Beach money. Well, uh, I'm I'm Facebook friends with our old friend Brian, and he seems to be very happy fishing and. Um, not having to worry about shit. So yeah, he's pretty much yeah, laugh it up, fuckers, with your I'm little sure, podcast. I'm sure Gary Grant is in the Michigan Wolverines Hall of Fame. He was a college superstar. Okay. And as we know, when you're a he's college a college basketball legend, those colleges tend to take care of you. Yeah, and he he still would have made a lot of money um, professionally. Okay. okay. Well, meanwhile, over at Dana's place, the massage is going down. I should have said that in the Adrian Barbeau voice. The massage is going down, fellas. Let's see your hands up in the air. A little bit of magic fingers. And she's nice and oiled up. They start making out in the moonlight, and my God, doesn't Scotty's Dutch boy haircut look like Darth Vader's helmet in silhouette? Dude, when they cut to that silhouette against the wall... That Dutch boy haircut of his, he looks like Darth Vader's helmet. 
I thought it was more of one of the Death Star uh, trooper start the Death Star guy helmets. Those you are when ready. The guys you hear that noise in the background, then yes, all would be complete. Commence. Give her the shoulder up. You're right, Doctor. It is one of those laser gun firing guys from the Empire. Um, <laughs> at this point, are you like me? Like, I think I'd rather be banging Martin Mole. We're not. We, we have the courtesy not to say that out loud. Thank you. I had that thought. Wait, uh, you would choose Martin Mull over what's her name? No, no, no. I was referring to Dean Cameron. Oh, you would rather that if you were her, you would be yes. rather banging Martin yeah. Mull than Dean. You think, Cameron. you think Gary Grant looks back at this movie and goes, "Ah, uh, this is when it all went downhill, and they <laughs> traded me to the Denver Nuggets." <laughs> Send him to the Denver Nuggets. No, no. No, send Gary Grant to the Milwaukee Bucks. No, no. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, I did have a weird thought about making love to Martin Mall, which some lucky character will get to do in my upcoming movie, Bikini Penis Beach Party. Stay tuned. He's still alive? Yeah, he's still alive. Okay. Scotty takes the well, action. <laughs> Scotty takes the action to the bed where we can see Dean Cameron's massive forest of tut-like chest hair hover above Dana's impressive breasts. My God, he's hairy. His thighs are hairy. His chest, he's just covered in fur. Hey, don't knock it, man. Oh, by the way, Scotty takes the action to the bed where we see Dean Cameron's massive forest of chest hair hover above Dana's impressive breasts. That's something I typed. I hate my life. <laughs> Run for the shelter of your love. But seriously, with that hair, like his all-encompassing hair, body hair, those eyebrows, his hairdo, again, I said this during our show on Ski School, how is this doofus supposed to be believable as a silver screen sex object? I just can't wrap my brain box around it. I don't think he was ever supposed to be believable as a silver screen sex object. He gets all the he gets all the babes in some major bl- studio movies. Or ski school and Miracle Beach major studio movies. Don't He's take away my dream. Yaks, I just <laughs> I just don't get it, Yaks. Ski school to me is a little bit more believable than this because he was more of a of a sensei type, you know, he was the, the, uh, teaching, uh, teaching the younger guys how to make the, yeah, movie. yeah, that I can, of course, now that I'm like, you always want credibility in your teacher. I'm not sure. He, but no, 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 he was a party animal in ski school. To me, he's an unbelievable seafood. His, his career is calamari. He's, his cal- career, he's cold calamari. His career didn't pan out. So, uh, but I think there's just it's a time and place. Ski school was what ninety. This is ninety two. Uh, who, who are we to who are we to bitch and judge? The guy had a career in movies. I know. He's got like, to, yeah, yeah. You're got to make out with a, got to make out with a hot bunch of chicks. He's still working today. Uh, Where do you think I bought my Jack Daniels from? <laughs> from Dean Cameron. <laughs> Uh, there, there was kind of a. Uh, there, there's a. I loved you in ski school. Um, I wasn't. I didn't participate in the ski school show, but I'm very familiar with the movie. So he was Dave Marshak. Uh, 
there's a commonality here that I think worked for some people in that, that time period, which was the kind of lazy, laid back, I don't really care sort of dude. Um, it just it worked in those movies. I don't call those movies classic movies. They kind of became cult, especially Ski School was kind of a cult movie afterwards. It was. Um, well, anyway. so what's, what's, what's the dude's name from, uh, from Up the Creek? Uh, Tim Matheson. Tim Matheson. I mean, he's kind of like trying. And in school, school, he was trying to resurrect Tim Matheson. I think he was more so, trying to trying to rip off uh, McNaughton from Hot Dog. Uh, but McNaughton oh, was, yeah. kind of, was kind of the older the older sensei of the younger guys. This guy was. They're all the same age, but he had just been up on this mountain for so damn long. He just kind of, he was never going to leave and he just kind of knew all this stuff. Uh, I, I, I think this is something the doctor would usually say, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I, I think we spent enough oxygen on Dean Cameron's filmography. Uh, he was in the right place at the right time and somehow the, the dude hit a home run. So bravo. Yeah. It's <laughs> almost like a backhanded compliment, I guess. Uh, if it didn't come across as that, I apologize. That's fully how I intended it to come across. And I got nothing against the guy personally. I don't know him, but I just, every time I watch one of his movies, I'm like, God, did, why him? Why, why did he get this? Anyway, it's not just, Dean Cameron, motherfucker. Just as Dean Cameron rips off Dana's Velcro underwear, that should have been a sign. Jeannie shows up lurking outside through the bedroom window, doctor style, and she makes <laughs> Scotty's mom... Sorry, doctor. You're not sorry. And she makes Scotty's mom. Dana's straddling him, and all of a sudden, Jeannie replaces Dana with Scotty's mom, and then his grandma telling him, like, what are you doing? You shouldn't be doing this. And then even that husky bartending buddy shows up straddling him on top. He freaks out. It totally throws his mind out of the game, so he grabs his trousers and makes a hasty exit. Once again not completing the task of making love to the sultry Dana. This is like the fourth or fifth time they're about to do it, and he, he just can't do it. Back at the resort, the grand elf Magnus O'Leary shows up unannounced with his flimsy Spencer Gist rubber ears falling off. Oh, they are horrible. Dude, they were like, one was hanging off sideways, the other you could totally see his like real ears. Uh, well, they spent all that money on Gary Grant. I was about to say, and it was even that way in the very first scene he was at. The the ear extensions were totally different color than the rest they, of. It. They 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 couldn't afford the the best of practical special effects. Uh, he warns Jeannie that she cannot interfere in her master's life unless she's instructed to do so. She blew all that money on Mark Mull. What master is going to say that? You have permission to interfere in my life. But I'm trying to save him from getting hurt. I love him, she pleads. But he tells her the rules are the rules, even when it inexplicably applies to Dean Cameron. Unless Scotty professes his love to her, she is bound to grant his every wish. And if she doesn't, if there's any more mishaps, she's banished to living in her genie bottle forever. The next morning, we're back at the beach for the kickoff of the Miss International Pageant Swimsuit Competition. Let's go Miss Bulgaria. Gotcha. Miss Bulgaria was bull 
Yax, you're our resident uh, geography expert. Is Bulgaria a real place, or did they make that up for this movie? It is indeed a real place. Where is Bulgaria? Europe. Eastern. It's an Eastern Europe. It's under okay. communist control post World War II. It's it's between Western Europe and and Russia. That doesn't sound too sexy. There might be some sexy. The doctor is correct. Uh, I'm sorry. There's some Eastern Europeans that are just yeah. nice. Well, I'm still rooting for Miss Bulgaria in the swimsuit competition. Uh, good luck finding a bikini top that can contain those Scud missiles. Do you like that '90s missile reference? Uh, serviceable. Yeah, I mean, technically that should have been to Miss Iraq or... Yaks, is the U.S. military, as our resident military expert, are we still uh, utilizing SCUD missiles? We never did. We never utilized SCUD missiles. never did. We used Patriot missiles. The Iraqis used SCUD missiles. Oh. Which was a Russian variation. Wasn't Wolf Blitzer from CNN, wasn't his nickname like the Scud Stud or something? I hope not. As it should be. Terrible. That's an awesome name. The Blitzer. The Scud Stud. I thought I thought that was something. Okay. Uh, he doesn't need any name. His name is Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> I am learning a lot tonight. I hope, I hope you listeners are as well. Yeah, it's like if your name is Dick Nasty. If your name is Wolf Blitzer, you don't you don't need to have a nickname. Uh, no, it's not. Um, God, that's a great name. I get the feeling he was just walking up to parties. Hey, Wolf Blitzer, how's it going? You're in, sir. You're in. Come on. Come and check out the Scud missile in my pants. <laughs> Let's do this. Everybody, we got the Scud stud. We got the Scud stud. I think he was the Scud stud. Google it. Do you think uh, he walks up to the bar and they're like, all right, your drink will be seventeen fifty, and he's like, hey, Wolf Blitzer. On the house, sir. On the house, Scud Stud. All right, next to him is like, hey, Gary Grant. Now get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Who? We don't yeah. serve the Sacramento Kings in here. <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> all right, you can sit in the back. <laughs> Lars and Soup are busy backstage with clipboards trying to find just the right swimsuit for all the contestants. Their, word, they, their, their wish has actually put them to work. It's a dirty job, but somebody has to do it. As the boys work hard, euphemism intended, behind the, in the dressing room, Scotty and Jeannie take a walk along the beach. He tells her that he decided the timing just wasn't right with Dana last night. She asks him if he's going to try to penetrate Dana again this evening, but he says Dana is unfortunately hanging out with her sister today. Just as we see Dana on the beach up ahead, canoodling with a muscle-bound beach stud, me style. That's not her sister, is it, Yax? You canoodle on the beach with muscle-bound beach Unless studs? her sister is in transition oh, no. to no judgment. be a beach stud. Yaks, did I use the word canoodling correctly? No, there's a little bit of judgment. No, 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 no. No judgment here. No judgment here. Well, Scotty gets the idea. Instead of seeing her oiling up this muscle-bound stud that, you know what, maybe this isn't the girl for me, he gets the idea 
you know what, Jeannie? I could make Dana jealous. I could give her the idea that she could lose me to another girl. That just might work. Why? So Jeannie gladly offer, offers up her services. She's here to serve, after all. Scotty wishes her to be visible, and with the snap of her fingers, our Jeannie is in a teeny-eeny Jeannie bikini for all the beach to see. I'm it's, sorry. Dana who? It's a cute little bikini, too. Dana who? Exactly. Movie. Movie's yeah. over. Movie's over. I found. I found my. I found if the. If you're Scotty and you see the genie in that bikini, the teeny genie bikini, you'd be done. You'd be like, all right, oh. my next wish is roll yeah. credits. Well, I think he would at least have at least do a double take. Be he like, awesome. What the fuck is this? She's been wearing the same raggedy gypsy clothes this whole movie. He has no reaction to seeing her in this bikini. Surprise, surprise, Amy has a fantastic body. <laughs> she got that from her dad. If you watch those old monkeys' performances, especially their Brady Bunch appearances, uh, he, he had some killer. The monkeys were on Brady Bunch? Uh, I thought that uh, Jan or uh, Marsha Brady was a big monkeys fan. I could be wrong. I don't know. We're actually going through the Brady anthology right now. We're on season two, so I'll, uh, I'll report back. Keep your eyes open for it. Uh, if it there's is, any, yeah, it is a monkey. If there's any shots of Mickey Dolan's with uh, well chiseled, oiled abs, uh, let me know. Uh. Where do we go from here? So they approach Dana. <laughs> they approach Dana, and Jeannie is hanging all over Scotty, playing the part of his side piece a little too well. She's a little too ambitious here, but it gets the point across. She's drooling all over him. Dana senses competition and pulls Scotty aside and tell him, "You know what? You win. I won't bang my muscly ex-boyfriend dude anymore." And that's exactly what he wanted to hear. No, you should recognize that if she recognizes that play, the girl's a player. What did he expect, Tut? They're two adults who've been out on a thousand dates and he refuses to sleep with her. I'm kind of conflicted here because on one hand, she was really slutty for blowing Martin Mole for that movie gig. But on the other hand... You gotta do what you gotta do. Hey... I understand some peripheral dick during the dating ritual, but Martin Mole, come on. It's a career move. But meanwhile, you know, you're grownups, and this guy is not sealing a deal with you. It kind of makes sense for you to get it somewhere else. I'm kind of like, I don't totally fault her for this. But what do you expect, Scott? You drove me to Martin Mole. You drove me to him. Well, seeing as how Scotty is a total bonehead, or maybe Dean Kane was right, a total butthead, Scotty immediately forgives her and even suggests that she enter the swimsuit competition, which is about to start. What a butthead. And Jeannie's obviously heartbroken by this chain of events. She thought if she put on that little bikini, game over. Nope. Maybe she needs to... Yeah. Maybe Jeannie needs to hook Scott up with this home chick and then move on to the next dude. Move on to the next assignment. No, that's, next not, a, that's assignment. not an option for the Jeannie. She's stuck with this guy for life. Really? For life? I believe so, yeah. 
Oh, man. I thought that, like, maybe if she did this assignment, she could go back up there with Cigar Chomp and Santa Claus, get reassigned to someone who might appreciate it. No, she's not like a social worker. When things are good, she moves on to the next unfortunate souls. I think I think she's straddled to Dean Cameron for life. Cut to the swimsuit competition already in progress. And eight- I'll take that. I'll take that exile into my bottle now, please. <laughs> right. An eight Tut style. Tut style. An eight foot tall MC. Oh my god! This, I thought it was Super Dave Osborne for a minute, but then I was like, I've seen this guy before, but I, I did some. I could not figure out who this interesting character was. MC in this thing. It wasn't Jaws, was it? There was not Richard. Was it Richard Kine or Richard? No, it was not Jaws from the James Bond movies. He's introducing the international beauty contestants as they all take the stage and show off what the good Lord gave them. Or some very talented plastic surgeons gave them. Oh, and imagine this. Gus, Pat Morita, is looking down at all the hot action from his penthouse balcony disapprovingly. I swear to this guy. His penthouse penthouse balcony, and he's not liking what he's seeing. Show me side to side. Scotty is cheering on the oh, new. No, 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 Always show I. Actually, you guys have said more than he says in this whole movie. He only has like three lines. <laughs> uh, Scotty is cheering on the newest contestant, Dana. Miss- so this is after Karate Kid. Karate Kid was like 80-something. This is after, this is after Karate Kid and Karate Kid 2. Yeah. Well, when they don't make a Karate Kid three, this is where you go. No, they and didn't make did, a Karate Kid three. years later. Oh, Hillary Swank was the Karate Kid, right? Yeah. Was he in that? Yeah. Actually, it was terrible. The the Karate it Kid Swank was the fourth Karate Kid. They made three Karate Kid movies with Machio. Yeah. And they were all in the eighties. The third one was like eighty nine. What was the plot of the third one? I don't even remember. The first one was 84. The second one was when they go to Okinawa was 86. And the third one was 89. And that's the one where they bring Martin Cove back. Uh, I remember the the next Karate Kid. Yeah, no one remembers it. But he had done all three Karate Kid movies. So at this point, it was uh, instead of of paint fence up down, it's need bank account go up. (laughs) <laughs> well um, Scotty's cheering on the newest contestant Dana Miss Miracle Beach she's somehow they had a sash made I guess he could just wish a sash for her it's not like they have to go to like a store or anything Genie's really. uh, right there but he's taken aback when he sees Genie herself up on stage I think her sass said Miss Fantasyland, but we never got a clear shot of it. So is Miss Fantasy something? Yeah. Lars and Soup can't believe it either. Jeannie's hot, they say. Yeah. Well, it comes down to six finalists, and guess what? Both Dana and Jeannie are in the top six. Things are about Uh-oh. to happen. And when the winner is announced, Miss Fantasyland, Jeannie Peterson, she's the winner. Of course! Perpetual doofus Scotty is perplexed. And then he switches from perplexed to pissed. He rushes up on stage to find out what the hell is Jeannie's up to. He grabs her violently by her arm and drags her into his private cabana room. Yeah, I didn't like that. 
you know, his private cabana room that she created for his homeless ass a week ago. Much to the disapproving gaze of Gus, as if there's anything he approves of, Scotty is furious at Jeannie's public antics. And when he learns that she was indeed there outside Dana's bedroom the night before, like he thought that was him making his fat bartender friend get on top of him. Like, obviously, there was supernatural things going on there. Boy, oh, my God, he's furious. He te- he loses his shit. He banishes her from helping him anymore, as tonight is a very special night for him and the chick who wears Velcro panties. Jeannie's crushed as tears stream down her eyes, but he doesn't give a shit because he's ultimately still the same loser asshole that was pushing all his worldly belongings in a shopping cart last week. I can really understand what Jeannie sees in him. I don't. I was being facetious, Todd. I, I don't see it either. Okay. Uh, why didn't she just tell him that Dana went down on Martin Mole? Wouldn't that end it? No, of course not. He's blind. Blind, I tell you. That would have sealed the deal with any chick I was chasing. <laughs> hey, uh, just so you know, she blew Martin Mole the other night. Okay, I'm out. Well, then she, you know, threw in some, you know, hey, do you like mustard on your hot dog? <laughs> Colonel Mustard? The fat hot dog guys there, like, <laughs> that'd be a fun cutaway. No. Uh, to make matters worse, Morpheus or Magnus, whatever the boss elf's name is, he shows up and he tells her she's failed her mission. A new genie will be assigned to this earthling dumbass at midnight. Pack your bags, you're done. Ouch. We then remember last episode in Jaws when we talked about that gorgeous shot of the diver with the sun behind him going. Oh yeah. Out? Oh, let's let's not speak ill of Shelby. He did pass. We cut to a wide shot now of Dean Cameron, Scotty, standing on a cliff watching a beautiful burning sunset with his Empire laser gun fire hair as he tries to get his primary ignition. Actually, you're right, Yax. It's kind of like Luke... With the two sons of Tatooine in the distance. Binary sunset. He tries to get his mixed emotions in check while soft, stupid music plays behind him. Even though he's shown no glimpse of mixed emotions whatsoever up to this point, he's got them now. Anywho, it's a gorgeously filmed shot of Dean Cameron looking out at the sea philosophically nonetheless, and that's something I never thought I'd say. Let alone type and say to you people. I hate my life. That night, Scotty and Dana are making out again. Too harsh. Towards my life or Dean Cameron? Dean Cameron. (laughs) And your your life. Okay. That night, Scotty and Dana are making out again. This is like the tenth time they've tried to have sex. And when she excuses herself to the bathroom, he can't help but pick up a framed picture of himself and Jeannie that he keeps on the dresser. He's having second thoughts, boys. Mixed emotions. Run for the shelter of your love. A, a soft ballad, much like Jimmy Cliff's Run for the Shelter of Your Love, which we all love from the cocktail soundtrack, plays as he looks at the photo and Jeannie weeps back at the resort while packing up her Jeannie clothes, even though she wore the same fucking outfit the whole movie. She's got all these clothes she's got to pack up. 
Dana comes back in the bedroom in her lingerie and takes the photo from him. Oh, that's a really good photo of you because it's of him and Jeannie, but no one else can see her. So it's just this picture of him with his arm like this, like it's around somebody. She just thinks it's cool that he keeps a weird picture of himself like that in the in the bedroom. You're saying those pictures of me and all those girls is just me and there's not there. <laughs> <laughs> When you show those to me, Doctor, I just kinda of play along like, oh, like Oh yeah, she's she's hot. I'm like, here she's hot, here's, man. She's hot. <laughs> special girl uh, she pushes Scotty down the bed. It's finally go time with a capital G. Dude. All you have to do at this point is outperform Martin Mole. You can do this. Well, just as Dana tells him that all his wishes are about to come true, Scotty has a flashback, which means we have to watch a flashback, of all his great memories with Jeannie the Genie, the art gallery, the slow dancing lessons, the beachside massage training, him screaming at her violently to get out of his life. He even has a flashback to that, like him shaking her. Yes, it's a love get, montage. We get to see it all. All the shit we just saw 15 minutes ago, we get to see it <laughs> all again in slow motion. Love for sale. Yummy, yummy love for sale. And it's all set to the worst fucking song I've ever heard in a movie in my life. We're going to have some top-notch rock and tunes in our film, boys. Bikini, penis, pool party, 3D. Where the penis, it, I mean, the knockers come right out of the screen and hit you in the face in 3D. Tut, oh. tut you need to start researching 3D cameras. Okay. I hate my life. <laughs> you hate your life now. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just trying to flex my creative muscles. Yeah, it's a muscle, all right. <laughs> Yeah, there's going to be some muscles, all right? <laughs> what the scene did for me was remind me that Jeannie shouldn't have any feelings for this putz whatsoever. But it did something for Scotty, yes, indeedy, as he bolts out of bed and tells Dana, I have a dance to finish. Again. You can't walk out on me. Do you know how many men would kill to be in bed with me, she screams. Well, if I see any on the way out, I'll tell him to take a number, he says to the girl, who he was totally infatuated in love with five minutes ago. Burn. On a dime, he just went from being, this is the girl I want to spend the rest of my life with, to you're a slut. Well, the spell is now broken. He can see that she's a whore. A filthy, no dirty whore. <laughs> take it easy, Axe. There was no spell. Wait, I was a little too strong there was no Sorry. spell. There was no spell making him love Dana, though. That was him. That was all mm-hmm. him, and he changed on a dime. And it's official now. We'll never get to see Dana naked. Thanks, Miracle Beach. Terribly sad, but perhaps we'll, we'll see we'll the genie always, naked. We'll always have Die Hard too, boys. We'll always have Die Hard too. <laughs> Scotty, now suddenly horny for Jeannie out of nowhere, goes back to the resort where Gus tells him that Jeannie's probably gone forever by now. There's a new Jeannie on the way. He's actually got only minutes to spare if he's going to make things right. Oh, and right as he leaves the resort, Donald Burbank, film producer, shows up and Dana calls him upstairs to finish Scotty's unfinished business in her Velcro underpants. 
Hey, now, have you ever wondered what it would be like to uh, be done by Colonel Mustard in the bedroom with a candlestick? She didn't have to mull that over very long. <laughs> Hadn't happened all night. Here it goes. Oh, no. I thought I was going to get through one episode without Doctor turning his back to me. And it was, ah. a, it was for a Martin Mole play on words, of all things. And you know what? I'm going to do you one up and we'll call it even. Run for the mustard of your life. Hey, he was great as the DJ in Jingle All the Way. True. He was also great in a DJ in a 70s movie called FM. He's a fun actor. He really is. I mean, he's no Richard Mole, but he's pretty fun. Mustard of your love. Uh, I think we've given uh, Martin Mole some un- undue criticism tonight. Uh, yeah. I-, I think on behalf of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, we've taken a lot of jabs at just how grotesque it would be going down on Martin Mole tonight, and I I apologize. Here's to going down on Martin Mole. Here's to going down on Martin Mole. Hey, three out of four ain't bad. I'll drink to it if you apologize to Dean Cameron. You know what, Doctor? I will. The guy obviously wanted to be an actor. He obviously auditioned, went through the the tropes of a working actor in California. He got cast. He impressed the right people. He made some right moves. He's got a fan base. Who am I to uh, sit here in the comfy confines of the corner of no hope and sling cheap jokes his way. I apologize to Dean Cameron. Having said that over the next six months, if something is to happen to me, the brakes in my truck get cut, a mailbox bomb, look for Dean Cameron because I, (laughs) I have been hard. I have been harsh to him on the show and, uh, you know what? I'm sure he's a nice guy. I, I just, I, and I've said this about other, I, and I'm kidding about him killing me. Obviously he seems like a very genteel, nice man uh, from all accounts. I just, there's some, there's some screen presences that I don't get male and female. There's been girls on the show where you guys are hot, you know, just salivating over it. And I'm just like, I don't get it. I never really found them that talented or that attractive. And our experience with Dean Cameron, I just, I just, it, what he puts out there, I just, it doesn't, my, as an audience member, it doesn't, I don't react well to it. And I think it's safe to say this is probably the last Dean Cameron movie we'll do because I think we've, we've, we've done enough, but. There's ski school two out there, buddy. God, is he in that? Oh, he's yeah. a lead here. Yeah. He totally is. You know we'll do it. <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe that'll be the one that... Quickly, maybe he, he folded. We're never doing it. We'll, we'll do that one. Maybe It'll that be, will be the movie that changes my mind. Okay. Well, we got we, we to gotta wait for the end of the year for the winter ski season to do a, another ski school movie. Uh, is Martin Mull in it? I don't think so. No. Is okay. Richard Mull in it? No, but one of his buddies is that uh, big guy, Will Sasso. 
Yes, that is true. He's one of the. He's one of the. He Dean replies as his role as Dave Marshak and. Uh, uh, well, hey, Dean, love you, buddy. To Dean Cameron. And the fact, Mincy, that you knew his character's name in Ski School without looking it up, and you weren't even here for the Ski School episode, that tells that it is an iconic character to many. I saw Ski School for the first time uh, with the lovely Rhonda Shear on USA Up All Night. Oh, yeah. And picked up a, I thought, well, I should watch this, not on TV. So I had somewhere in my possession, I don't know if I have it anymore, a previously viewed VHS tape of Ski School. So I've seen it many times. Uh, I think we all agreed Hot Dog is the far superior. Hot uh, Dog is the best uh, ski party movie. By name ski party movie, but uh, maybe we'll do I, Ski School too. And I promise I do, I'll be nice in Cameron. I do think it's interesting oh. is that we're giving this to a ton of crap. Well, one of us is. And, you know, we're still talking about a working actor, a guy who, like, put together some films that were actually pretty, I mean, notable, I guess. And he's still working today, apparently. I think the only way we can really make this right is to cast him in the lead in Penis Beach. You know he'll do it. By the way, Cade, Dean Cameron also played a approximation of himself in an episode of It's Sunny in Philadelphia three or four years ago where they go to, like, a ski resort Oh, that's cool. I and love he, that show. He totally just, like, there's a scene where they walk in on him masturbating. He, he goes he goes all oh, out. He went, he went all for, okay, all right, I feel bad now. Damn it. And I don't feel bad ever, but, so I'm is sorry. Is that all it takes for you to just switch? Okay, there was this thing he did where he whacked off all over the place. Oh, God, I feel bad. Oh, God, I love the guy now. Much like Dean Cameron switching to Genie. I'm always, dude, I'm totally now all about Dean Cameron. Uh, I love the guy. Okay. Well, Scotty finds the genie bottle out on the beach with Lars and Soup, who are doing some sort of ice fishing exhibition out there with Miss Greenland and some other competition babes. He steals the bottle. The boys are yelling at him. They want the new genie because genie can't grant them any wishes anymore. She's been fired. Just, we got to keep it. We got to get the new genie so we can keep living the high life. But no, Scotty runs off with it. <laughs> Lars and Soup, they're drunk on champagne and lobster tails, so they're a little slow. But they eventually catch up to him right outside the seaside mystic shop. Remember the mystic he went to in the beginning of the film? They're beating the hell out of him trying to get – those are his buddies. You guys style. His lifelong best friends. They're about to murder his ass for that genie bottle until good old wise Gus shows up and takes them out of the picture. Not by using karate. This is Pat Morita we're talking about. He just grabs their jacket collars and that's it. They can't get away. Well, he applied an ancient Chinese pressure point to both of them. Do you think that he had a clause from the Karate Kid movies that he couldn't do karate in any other movie? Because he didn't use karate against that big snake in King Cobra either. No, he, he didn't use it here. I think the Karate Kid was the only time he used karate because he didn't use it in Tora 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 either. Did he ever use it in Happy Days? No. <laughs> I don't think so. 
He never just karate chopped the hell out of Fonzie. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Craned uh, Potsy. Well, you know his his accent was a put on. He he completely yeah. perfect English. Yeah. Um. Okay. Um. I don't think he used karate in King Cobra. Mency. I don't. I don't. Well. <laughs> fuck you. I'm really going. Cade and I had a recent conversation about King Cobra where I completely blanked on the movie and the fact that I was present at the podcast. And it was a pretty, it was a pretty hey, conversation. Tut, uh, I actually blank, I, blanking that you're part of this show is totally understandable. Well, no, we've, we've forgotten beers before, but the doctor, that was a first I mentioned, this is our second Pat Morita movie. And we, cause we did King Cobra and he's like, what was that? And I was like, Oh, we did the King Cobra movie, Pat Morita, where he was the anthropologist or the herb, whatever the snake people are and all that. And he's like, I need to check that out. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you were there for that episode. And sure enough, I pulled it up on our website and there's the, it's a quote from the doctor. No, like, we, we, that, that, that's how far it goes. At first I was like, Kate, Kate's like, now we wouldn't have done a giant snake movie without you. And I was like, I don't know, man, back in the day, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, Sometimes I wouldn't make one a month. Sometimes you guys would do three or four shows without me. I don't, I don't remember this at all. And I, oh no, no, it started. It started with uh, I was saying that Tut wants to do this Eric Estrada gun movie, and and I'm trying to fit it right. in. Right. And, and I was like, you know, we did that one Eric Estrada movie where he was the homosexual craft beer brewer, and and Mincy's like. That sounds interesting. I'm like, well, you were there. You, you know what that and he's like, I don't remember. I was like, nah, dude. And so then I, I go to the website and it's like right under that whole episode, the cigar, it's like, as the doctor said, the cigar chase this is what cigars should be all about. I'm like, the <laughs> oh, fuck I get to do that show. And, and so, there's pictures on the on the website page, there's pictures of the doctor at the table. <laughs> dude, then I still didn't even believe Kate. I'm like, hold on. Let me play this show because maybe you wrote that. Like I still wasn't all in. And he's like, no, no, you're you, you're in this. You made a quote about the cigar. <laughs> oh fuck, man, I am there. And I was like, dude, I, I I don't remember the movie. I don't remember the show. I remember, no, dude, no blood, no bodies. The doctor remembers nothing. <laughs> That's a first. We've forgotten beers. We've never forgotten a movie. That was that was uh. My solution is to drink more. There you go. Hey, he's a doctor. He knows. All right. Well, uh, where were we? The mystic tells Scotty if he tells the genie in the bottle what he wants, it will make her as human as we are, which sucks. Trust me. But that he'll lose everything that the genie has ever granted him, and he has five seconds to decide. They show the mystic's pocket watch. Five seconds to midnight. So Dean Cameron takes 20 seconds to think about it. <laughs> Not his fault. The director. As his as his drunk buddies are banging on are banging on the window. Don't do it. Don't do it. Ten seconds later, after that 20 second, about a minute later, and after a bunch of thought, he tells the bottle, he tells Jeannie that he loves her. And she suddenly appears in the flesh. So they make out right there in front of the weirdo mystic Gus and his buddies. And the minute he does it, though, they're all okay with it. They get thumbs up and they clap. They're drunk. Mustard of your love. Mustard of your love. 
Next thing we know, Dana and Martin Mole's sex romp. Ugh. <laughs> Remember they went upstairs to have sex in the resort? Well, now that everything is gone because the, the wishes have been reversed, they're on a bed in the middle of the beach having sex, and it's broken up by the police as the resort and everything around it has magically disappeared. The cops were tipped off by the fun police himself, Pat Morita, Gus. Just trying to keep the beaches clean, he says. Dana swears to the officers, I'm a personal friend of Scotty, who they've never heard of. But suddenly, Donald Burbank's Scotty's old lifetime. Who's Scotty? I don't remember any Scotty. Everything is gone from what has happened. And I I like that twist. It was a good little twist, kind of sour ending for these two assholes. I liked it. Uh, So the police haul their ass away. And for the first time, Gus looks legitimately happy as he smiles in the camera. And I'm pretty sure that's because it was his last day of shooting on this movie. <laughs> uh, and then Gus morphs into the elf boss, Magnus, who laughs and looks satisfied at the outcome as well. He was secretly rooting for Genie. I know the answer is who cares. So was Gus always the elf yes. guy? And yeah. he was just spying on them. Right. He was the one who got the bottle when he handed the blanket to Scott. The bottle was in that blanket. He's the one who got the bottle to Scott. Oh, because I, I always wondered. That, I, I always wondered how Scott. He woke up and the genie bottle was just there. It was in the blanket. We yeah. have to infer the that. whole time. Yeah, uh, Gus was uh, Magnus's incarnation on Earth. They're looking after the genie and they're watching what Scotty does with it. That's so. Genie's happy, Scotty's happy, Morpheus, the elf is happy. Magnus. Magnus. The end. Shelter up. Love conquers all. Well, you guys will be pleased to announce breaking news. I am going to cast Pat Morita in my film, Spring Break Penis Patrol, as the fun as the fun loving school guidance counselor counselor, and I bet it's gonna be a nice change of pace. He's gonna love it. He's going to have a blast on set. Man, we probably uh, could have got Dean Cameron in this movie. It's going to be amazing. If you can get Sifu, that will be outstanding. He's dead. Also because he's deceased. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. yeah. Who's dead? Pat Marino. Sifu. Oh, yeah. He's been dead for like 15 years. Yeah. So he will not be in Spring Break Penis Patrol. Not no. unless you have a genie. I think even if he was alive, he would have said no. (laughs) Vehemently. I don't need the money that bad. Breaking news. We are going to cast Martin Mole as the fun-loving school guidance counselor in my film Spring Break Penis Patrol, coming to Amazon Prime 2022. I think think he's dead as well. No, I think he's still alive. he's, He's pretty dead. I'm fairly certain. Jeez, I'm running out of people here. Uh, you can still, you can still cast Dean Cameron. Breaking news. I am casting Dean Kane as the avuncular, fun-loving school guidance counselor in my film Spring Break Penis Patrol, coming 2024 on Amazon Prime. He's still alive, and he's a working actor. Backing up. I'm fairly certain that Dean Kane is dead. <laughs> God, he's dead. Yeah, he's, 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 he's dead. Are you sure? I, 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 I think he's just fucking with you. Oh, okay. 
Uh, I hope so, because if I have to do yet another rewrite, this thing's getting pushed to 2025, and it's like, my God. I'm holding out for Dean Cameron's role. I'm fairly certain if he's not dead, that after he reads your script, he wants to be. Marvel is alive and well. He will be 77 years old in August. Dean Cain is 77 years old? I'm done with this. I'm not looking anybody up anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, God bless you, Dean Cameron, Martin Mole, the memory of Pat Morita. And I guess we'll give Dean Cain some love. Um, I got no problem with giving Dean Cain some love. I, I think we need to back up here and, and give Amy Dolan some love. We oh, do. God. Amy Dolan's last film credits are in 2010, so it looks like she has not done anything in a decade. Okay. Uh, IMDb picture of her, very cute. It doesn't look like one from, you know, 30 years ago either. It looks like a more recent photograph. Okay. Um, well, uh, she certainly was fun in this. Uh, everybody did a, a, a... Cade, you will hate me for this. She is now 51 years old. Okay. Well, I'm not hating that at all. Um, look, look her up on me. She's real cute. But uh, what well, we saw her, she was cute. But it looks like she has not acted in a decade. Maybe she could be the strict but sexy headmistress in my film, Penis Sorority. Good luck with all. Wrap your brain boxes around that one. This, the, the title of that movie has changed about 14 times since the beginning of the show. <laughs> I'm like George Lucas. I, I think I, I, I'm like George Lucas. I think ahead to where the story is going to go over generations and timelines. It's just a working title. It's just a working title. Yeah. A penis sorority will actually be episode six, according to my timeline. And we're going to start... There and we'll do six, seven, eight. Then we'll jump back to Spring Break, Penis Patrol, and then we'll end with the Penis Awakens, which will be uh, really lots of cute girls in that one. Are there? Are they going to have Star Wars titles? Like one will actually be A New Hope. Then we'll, then will be uh, the Emp- the Penis Strikes Back. Return I hope, to Penis. I hope I wake up tomorrow with A New Hope. Not counting on it. You know what? You know what don't blame me. <laughs> um, well, guys, we got our bikini movie in the summer. Yay! Lots of bikinis, lots of girls without bikinis. I think I think we uh, we, we we filled the bill. Um, it was fun. I hope you guys had fun listening to it's it. It's a fun movie. It was a fun movie. Yeah. One of these summers, we should all do. We should do our our big summer bikini movie, and we should all wear bikinis. That'd or we just talk about it. That's also a good option. <laughs> just fantastic. Well, I miss you guys. I can't wait for the day when we can all. Two, three, two, three years from now. Uh, I think I'm glad Yak Boy froze. I don't want to hear what he had to say. Uh, oh, God, he's back. That's awkward. Yeah. Uh, there I am. There he is. Um, uh, we hope we took your mind off serious shit for a couple hours and had some fun, uh, which is why these movies are made, to take your shit off 
all the horrible world ending pandemics in 1992. They, they made this movie to make you feel better. And we're just reinvigorating the cinematic beast that is Miracle Beach to once again, lighten your day and make you smile. Uh, Tuck, give us some links. Okay. Quick question real quick. The uh, dogma, you said that's available on famous. Uh, it will be as soon as it's released. It's on their website, not so, for sale. If uh, you want this beast of a cigar, which is TNCC approved, head over to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. Click on that famous smoke shop banner, and it will automatically input a code TNCC20, and you will get $20 off the order of these bad boys. Uh, also, if you want to do a little uh, shopping, you know, some back-to-school shopping that's coming about. Uh, go to the TuesdayNightCigarClub.com, click on the Amazon banner, do your shopping from there, get all your school supplies, and it'll help us keep the lights on around here. But if you want to follow all the zan- zanity, zanity, insane, insanity, if you want to follow the insane insanity of uh, the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, you can follow us on Twitter at TNCCCast. You can follow us on Instagram, see all the beautiful pictures Kate posts at TNCCCast there. You can join us on Facebook, Tuesday Night Cigar Club, and then you can always go to Tuesday, uh, YouTube, search for Tuesday Night Cigar Club, click on the subscribe button, and you'll get alerted to every time we're doing these little beautiful little shows. And if you do that, you'll actually get to see the show before it airs live on Facebook and whenever we do the polishing up stuff. You get two to weeks, see the unfiltered stuff. Two weeks early. Two weeks yeah. early, you'll get a taste. And speaking of YouTube, uh, I happened to stumble across a little stat the other day when I was putting up our last episode. Uh, the, very, the very entertaining Jaws 3. Dude, we are officially well, and I guess I just haven't looked at it in a while, we are well over a million views on YouTube. Which... For what we do, and uh, over a million individual views on YouTube, which is a pretty staggering number. Yes. Um, and, yeah, it, I kind of took pause with that. I was like, holy shit, that's... that's Ain't nothing to laugh about. No, that's we not. laugh about it. So thank y'all for watching us and uh, checking us out. And like I said, we're here to uh, entertain you for a very short period of time. While everything else is crazy in the world, uh, we're the good kind of crazy. Drinks, laughs, boobs, and penises. We're all about, we're all about the good stuff. Just party. Just party. Just party. It'll make everything so much better. Take a breath and fucking party. Uh, you guys got anything else, or can we get the fuck out of here? No, I'm good to go. I'm all about it. Well, boys, we'll see you again soon. Um, Redhorn Brewery. Oh, real quick. You guys mentioned on break. I want to give a little shout out to this. Apparently, what's the name of your beer, Tut? Uh, the Black is Beautiful. Redhorn you said on break, they're not the only small brewery putting out Black is Beautiful. Apparently, it's a it's a collection of breweries that are all releasing their own individual Black is Beautiful with the proceeds going to the NAACP. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. That's uh, I'm and all not about. just not just a portion of the proceeds, not like a percentage of the proceeds. 
but I know at least in Redhorn's case, 100% of the proceeds is going to the NAACP chapter of Austin. So if you're like in Wisconsin and you have a local brewery doing Black is Beautiful there, it's not going to some national conglomerate. It's going to your local chapter. That's awesome. Um, I didn't get that when we first brought I got that Redhorn was doing it, but I, I, I love that uh, the brewery community is getting together and supporting a, a worthwhile cause. Um, so Sun Grown, Dojo Dogma Undercrown. Big thumbs up. Mincy, you said you thumbs up. You said you'd give it a thumbs up even though you didn't have one. That's can't wait to try it. How good we talked it up. Uh, your individual beers all worked for you. My Jack Daniels, as always, worked for me. If I drink any more of this shit over the next few months, I'm gonna need a slash top hat. I think that's kind of the next step for me. Uh, no, no, go go with the little bowl cup, the Dean Cameron bowl cup, and then just have the little <laughs> play it every time that you walk around. I think I'm going to go slash his top hat. I think that's a little bit cooler. Or we could do that. Or we could do that. Or we could do that. Uh, so uh, thank you for everybody for checking us out. As always, may the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Keep fighting the good fight. Stay safe out there. Stand up for what's right. Piss on what's wrong. And we'll have your back if you do that in spirit. We're not going to vocally back you up, but we're there in spirit. Uh, we're lazy social activists but we're there in spirit always we love you may the wings of liberty never lose a feather sayonara motherfuckers see you next time i have a positive i have a positive feeling about this i have a very positive feeling about this i feel very centered time very centered see you next time assholes learn more about the time yours truly furiously rubbed a bottle he found on the beach only to sober up and realize it wasn't a genie bottle in fact it wasn't a bottle at all it was hall of fame quarterback dan marino's second cousin gino marino and gino wasn't happy one bit about all the furious rubbing going on hey what happens on south beach stays on south beach or at least it's supposed to it's a miracle i escaped that day with my little genie weenie still attached no more daytime banana daiquiri marathons for your old buddy Keith. And by little genie, I of course mean above average size genie weenie. I was just trying to make the other guys in the TNCC not feel inadequate. Which is fairly easy to do, by the way. Such sensitive solids they are. Anywho, to learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode, you can visit DrewEstate.com. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'Brien'sTemple.com and download their free smartphone app, where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky, and for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. Go sleep, I